Hello, this is Caleb, and I'm here with a very special guest, Ruth Golden. How are you, Ruth? I'm good, Caleb. How are you? Good. Ruth, I've known you, I feel like I've known you a long time, but really, it's only been the last couple of years. Yeah, I, I met you been. when you were a little kid. A little kid. Because I knew your parents, um, and but I didn't really see you much growing up. So. Yes. I've known, like, of you. Yes. A lot. The infamous. Yeah. Because over the years, I would see Brian from time to time. He would, like, stop in in L.A. And then I remember when your daughter uh, moved to Agora. Mm-hmm. So I knew her. And then, of course, I know Jackie and Chris. But I've gotten to know you, and you're a really cool and interesting person. So thanks for talking to me. Sure. My pleasure. <laughs> so, Ruth... Other than Downton Abbey, what's your favorite movie? <laughs> <laughs> the people like to ask this question. I'm not entirely sure I have a favorite movie. Okay, but so probably one with you Matt a Damon. Selection. Well, you know, my favorite movie that I ever remember thinking was my favorite movie was Die Hard. Oh. I started classic. off really liking Die Hard, and then the next movie that really kind of wowed me was Born Identity. So hence there's, the Matt Damon love. Hence the Matt, Matt Damon thing, and um. Yeah, I'm going to stick with one of okay. those two. But yeah, if both action favorite, movies. Yes. That's good, yeah. Both guys kicking butt and True. saving the day. I mean, I generally like movies with heroes. Like, yeah. there's, you know, there's the good guy, bad guy thing, but sometimes the bad guys are kind of the heroes, you know, overcoming I evil. I like that. You didn't go with, like, the stereotypical female answer yeah. of, like, a romantic movie. No. <laughs> romantic epic. Romantic. I don't know. Today, when you watch romantic movies, it's mostly just about sex. Yeah. I'm like, well. Yeah. That's that's no, not my highest not priority in movies. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. And uh, but I do like like Night and Day, um, with um, what's his name, uh, Tom Cruise and oh, and Cameron Diaz, Cameron Diaz yeah, Night yeah. and Day. Or there was one with Johnny Depp and um. And, uh, what was Brad Pitt's wife's name? Um, and Joan Jolie. Uh, yeah. Mr. Was... and Mrs. Smith? No, oh. that's a different movie. Mr. and Mrs. Smith, I did like. Yeah. But Night and Day and, um, I think it was called The Tourist. It was a Were Johnny both, Depp movie. Uh, Johnny he was Depp. Like, like a spy, but not a spy, but she didn't know. Yeah. yeah. What was that movie called? That was called? The Tourist. Yeah. Yeah. That was I really liked that movie. And my friends considered, like, when, um, there was this couple, Tongan, an American couple, mm -hmm. and they went to counseling together. And the counselor suggested that they watch a romantic movie together. So at my house, we had all these DVDs, like lots and lots, like a whole DVD library. So this guy came over and he said in his thick Tongan accent to me, Ruth, I need a romantic movie to watch with my wife. <laughs> and you're like, uh, die hard. <laughs> and I was like, looked at the selections of movies I had, and Night and Day and The Tourist were the only two that I would like maybe these two count as romances. <laughs> so that's what I gave him. And um, I figured it was, like, good, you know, like, had some action for the Islanders, like, a little bit of <laughs> movement and, you know, like, the romantic comedy for the for the wife. <laughs> it's funny, when Brian and I started watching movies, one of the first movies we wa watched was A Walk to Remember. So oh. <laughs> <laughs> Which I've seen. So, I like that movie. I watched the romantic movies with him. <laughs> <laughs> We're both like, we love this movie. Yeah. But I I really like true stories, like movies based on true stories. Okay, yeah. But they're not usually like the epic kind of movies. Yes. But I do like 
a lot, I have a lot of movies about teachers and coaches and mm. things like that. Kind of yeah. like based on true story movies. Okay, yeah. Coach Carter, yeah, Hoosers. Mm-hmm. Some good coaches. There's lots of good coaching movies, I think. And uh and I don't know. I like I like um movies that kind of confront issues, like hard That's issues. Funny. So Downton Abbey isn't really a reflection of your typical taste. No. But I historical fiction. Okay, I, I think because it's historical fiction, I yeah. like that it has like the issues that the servants are dealing with in their class and then the rich and like what they're dealing with. Yeah. You know, but it doesn't really pit them against each other. Like it shows like real life. That's like, true, yeah. I don't know, maybe it's more like the community development because it's the sense of like these people have an estate that helps a community flourish. Mm -hmm. And if they're able to flourish and succeed, then it helps their whole community to flourish and succeed. You like that teamwork, that camaraderie. Yeah. I think maybe like, together to... like the biodiversity. I don't <clears throat> think they're really on a <laughs> If you watch it, it's not really a camaraderie kind of movie. <laughs> they're always against each other. The sisters are plotting against each other and the yeah, servants are plotting enough, yeah. against each other. But I think it's more the biodiversity that like people, uh, like there's a tolerance. Like they recognize the need for all of their different skills and abilities in the context of the whole. It's interesting, yeah. Because the movie, it's like the king and queen coming that united them to like a common yeah. goal. Yeah. Like we gotta put we gotta host good, this yeah. this important we do a thing. Good job. It's like a social responsibility, but it also like brings money to their community, prestige to their community. It brings a sense of celebration. Yeah. You know, so it's like not just we have these great people come to our house, but yeah, you know, even like their um, kitchen cook. Like, she buys the food even though the um, royal family's bringing oh. their own food. Because it's not just about we, they need the money for the food. It's like, I can't believe, like, this flour is going to be used to make yeah. something that the king is going <laughs> to eat. You know, like, that sense of, like, you know, whatever it is. What are, like, seven... You're like, how are yeah. you so far distant from whoever else? <laughs> like, it makes them one step closer to something that's really important but to she, them. And she didn't want to ruin that guy's dream of, like, yes. oh, they're going to eat my food. Like, like, like yeah, so supply. the chefs weren't like, no, they're bringing their own food <laughs> and their own chef and, you know, whatever. Yeah. I think one person even says, like, let him have this or something. Yeah. So it, was that your favorite show, would you say? Well, my favorite TV show? Yeah. No, but I like it. You like it? Okay. I like it. I have like a kind of, in one sense, I have a broad range of things I like, but in another sense, it's also very limited. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't like things that have, um, like gratuitous sex mm -hmm. or, um, like my husband, he's like, are you watching soft porn? And I'm like, ah, <laughs> like you can't watch anything that doesn't have sex okay. in it, but you no know, Game of Thrones. No Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. My so friends fair. recommend movies. I'm like, oh, I don't know. I don't like things like horror is like just out of the question. I don't, I don't yeah. like being scared at all. <laughs> Even when my kids are like, let's watch Scooby-Doo. I'm like, no, they're like, mom, it's all fake. And I'm like, I don't care. I don't like being wow. frightened. Even Scooby-Doo is, Scooby -Doo is off too the far. list. Wow. Okay. Um, I don't like being frightened at all. I don't find terror entertaining in the slightest <laughs> I don't like it no I, so, but I, I like suspense mostly agree yeah and so like I will watch things where like people get blown up and <laughs> killed <laughs> and whatever but it's not like I don't know there's not any but like, as long as the killer isn't like jumping out from out of the corner and, like, well no I literally do jump 
at movies. If you're sitting next to me, my children all fight over who has to sit next to me because I actually will startle in the movies and then they get embarrassed. So they always do have to decide who's going to sit next to me in a movie. Okay, Ruth. So we're going to go back to the very beginning. Okay. Take me back and tell me where were you born, Ruth? I was born in Carbondale, Illinois. Illinois. Southern okay. Illinois. So you grew up in Illinois. I did. I grew up in Illinois. Okay. Now, was that near Chicago? Carbondale is in the southern part of Illinois, so Illinois is kind of a long state. Mm, yes. Um, but my dad was going to school. He was going to university down in southern Illinois. And then we moved back up closer to Springfield, which is more like mid-state. Um, mid That's where his family is from. So my dad is one of nine, okay. and basically all of his siblings like live within stone's throw of one another. They're all like in, in town Springfield. in Springfield. Okay. And then my dad did this kind of outrageous thing. He took a job with Bell Laboratories, which became AT and T, which is up in near Chicago in the suburbs. Okay. So we lived three hours away. We were like the lost family because we were so far. We had like a three-hour drive. Okay. Um, How did your parents meet each other? They met each other when my dad was in the military. Oh, He was um, stationed at a base, um, probably near Annapolis. I don't remember now exactly. He was stationed at a base, and it was like a secret military base where they, like, did secret stuff. And he guarded it. Oh, wow. Um, and, uh, and my mom was going to school. She was in an all-girls school near there. Okay. Yeah. So just uh, during his time off, they... Yeah. Bumped into each other somewhere. They met somewhere. Yeah. I don't really know all the details. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, the, the romance part of the story got lost. I don't know. Yeah. So <laughs> they met there, fell in love. They got married on the army base, which is all like hush hush. And oh, you're um, supposed to do that? yeah, okay. like the pictures are all like, don't show anybody this or don't look at that. But yeah. So yeah, they got married there and um, yeah. And then went back to Illinois. And then, yeah. Then when my dad um, went from the military to um, college then. Okay. That's when they moved to Illinois. Okay. And and, then that was part of, like, the GI Bill. You kind of get college covered or something. I think so. I think so. My dad was um, from a very low-income family in Illinois. They, They grew up in, like, the basement of his grandparents' house. Oh, really? Yeah. And he was the middle of nine kids, um, and his dad was like had a second family somewhere else, so um, oh. he wasn't always in the home. Um, so the oh, okay, he had a second family. Yeah. Before. Well, it was kind of like a come and go <laughs> thing. I don't know. No one really talked about it that much. Like we would go visit my grandmother, mm-hmm. and um, and she ended up inheriting his parents' house. Like, when they passed, they actually gave her the house, not him. Yeah. Even though he was still alive. So, he's one of nine. My dad, yeah. From the same two parents? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And you, Ruth, um, have three sisters and a brother. Yes. No. No. <laughs> yes. Yes, I do. Okay. <laughs> that was like a terrific question for me. <laughs> so, yeah, so I do. So, there's five of you. There's five of so us. So, where are you in the birth order? I'm of, second. You're the second. I'm the second daughter. Okay, so you have an older sister. A younger sister, then a brother, and then a younger sister still. So my poor brother, he didn't get to be oldest, he didn't get to be last, (laughs) you know, but um, yeah. Yeah. So he's five years younger than me, and then my youngest sister is ten years younger than me, so at least there's like a five-year gap between 
him and my sister, my youngest sister. Okay. So, um, so what, what is your dad? What did he do basically after college? So my dad is a graphic artist and, oh, um, he got hired right out of college to go work with, um, Bell Laboratories. So he did technical design for them, which wasn't like, um, wasn't as interesting or as exciting yeah. as just doing regular art. But, um, yeah, but he got to use a lot of cool tools. And, um, I remember he, one of the things I remember is they used to send him to high schools to do like the recruiting on like, like it's like a jobs day when yeah, they oh, yeah, have in the cafeteria or gymnasium, like people set up promoting different jobs and then giving you like business cards, like come and, you know, yeah. train or whatever. They always sent my dad out and he would take the airbrushes and um like do amazing oh. designs with airbrush and they would talk with them about how he uses it to make models and you know other things so it went into the technical drawings and stuff but um but what, what kind of models would he graphic design like models for what and well like telephones they would oh, okay. do like so it wasn't it wasn't and, like military related no 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 okay. it was all telephone related and like telephone okay. systems or whatever but I remember once when I was in high school, I went in to visit him for some like, you know, father, daughter, bring your child to school day or to work day. Yeah. He had a big draft board, but his cool. draft board at work was like a giant touch screen. Like you could, um, he could draw on it and it went right up onto the computer screens and stuff. And it was like, like, this is a long time ago. <laughs> this was like, I don't know. Yeah, it seemed like cutting edge ago. technology yeah, at the time. Cutting yeah. edge. So he always had these cool toys to play with to do his design and artwork and stuff. Nice. And so, um, so and then what did mom do? My mom, well, what I really remember her as being a stay at home mom. Yeah. I think she used to sell clothing or something when they first got married and, um, but most of the time, for most of our lives, she was a stay-at-home mom. Yeah, those five kids. Yep, yeah. yep, and that was kind of the way then, and it was great. And she was always there for us. Cool. So let's go down the list. Who, who's the older sister? My older sister, Susan. Okay. She lives in Milwaukee. In has Milwaukee. three kids. Nice. And um, my second sister is well. Then second is me. Yeah. And then there's my sister Laura. Yeah. And she has two kids. Um, and then my brother, Chuck, Chuck, okay. yeah, Charles Jr. But we always call him Chuck when oh, you so live your in dad's Charles. Yes. Okay. Yeah. My dad's Charles, but since, um, the military, they always called him Scotty. Oh, so people call my dad Scotty, but our last name is Scott. <laughs> oh, okay. Hence so it's Scotty, kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> my brother and dad have the same name, but Charles, you know, but, um, my dad goes by Scotty and my brother goes by Chuck. <laughs> yeah. But when you live in foreign countries, telling people your brother's name is Chuck is is like hysterical. Yeah. Because Chuck oh. means to vomit or throw oh, up. Oh, right. And right. so, yeah. yes, my brother being named Chuck, they thought yeah. that was like a joke. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> There's other foreign names, too, that don't go over well. But anyways, my youngest sister, she's Julie. Julie, okay. Julie, yeah. Okay. Those are good names. All good names, good solid names. Yeah. Not like our children. <laughs> <laughs> no, you guys have the unique names. So I mean, so that's a that's a full house. Was that fun growing up with a bunch of siblings and a big house? I don't know if it was a big house, but big family. Big family, yeah. That's I mean, I think we went always went on family vacations. So my parents liked to drive, mm -hmm. which was great. I I mean, I personally got car sick a lot, so technically oh. I should have hated <laughs> all family vacations. <laughs> Spent a lot of time sitting on bathroom floors in weird places, feeling very oh. nauseous. But um, 
my parents loved to drive, so we yeah. got to do a lot of things, and it also like kind of forced us together, right? Yeah. You're stuck in a car for on a long journey for like three weeks with your. And this was all seven of you in one car. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, all so. the way up until high school when we made our big family journey to Disneyland. We came out to California. We've been to California once before, but we never went to, like, Disneyland, SeaWorld. Um, but we were coming out to, to do this big adventure. My sister Susan, well, okay, she's never, hopefully never going to listen to this, <laughs> but she knows. She, we've talked about this many times since then. She was, like, refusing to come, and so the only way my parents could get her to, like, whatever like other than like locking her down force her to come they got her to come by inviting one of her close friends to come okay. and so her close friend Kathy came with us on a family vacation so it's like so eight, eight of us yeah but we when we got to Disneyland Susan refused to go to Disneyland she wanted to sunbathe and so she and Kathy put on their bikinis and laid on the roof of our car or the hood of our car I don't know they laid in the car in the parking lot at Disneyland so, of course, my parents take us into Disneyland, spend this enormous amount of money. You know, we've been saving up. Most of our vacations were very much like hiking, yeah. camping, swimming vacations. But this was like spend a lot of money at an amusement park vacation. I was very excited about it. But my parents kept like, should you go check on Susan? No, I'll go check on Susan. Like my dad be gone for like 40 minutes, like checking on Just my sister. Her, yeah. And they were like the constantly like worried that she was going to get abducted or run away or I don't know, whatever parents worry about. But I don't remember going on a single ride or eating any food or seeing Mickey Mouse or whatever. I don't, <laughs> I don't really remember anything. I'm sure we did fun things. But all I remember was my parents worrying about my sister. Yeah. And her friend, who they were responsible for, not being with us <laughs> inside the park. They were in the parking lot, lot seven, you know, wherever they wearing were. Wearing their cozies. Wearing their cozies. <laughs> their swimming costumes, yes. <laughs> on the car, which was totally inappropriate for my parents anyway, so. So was, was Susan kind of like doing her own thing? Yeah, Susan. T too cool for too school? Too cool for school. <laughs> my sister Susan was always too cool for school. Yeah. My sister was rough. She was rough. When I was like, um, like, like, when I was like a, when I was little, when I was like a baby, she, she, she heard all, my mom heard all this screaming and splashing. She came in. My sister had actually stuffed me into the toilet, was standing with her feet on either side, oh, had wow. her hands on my head. It was like literally trying to flush me down the toilet. Like she, oh. she wanted them to take me back. <laughs> Like, was not happy to have a sister. But she had this, like, love-hate thing for me. Yeah. We were, like, almost a year and a half apart. Um, but she taught me to... She taught me... When did the love start? Yeah. <laughs> um, she does love me. I love her, too. Okay. <laughs> my, the first time my parents ever saw me rock, they came in, and my sister had put me up on the top of the couch, and she held my hand, and we ran. I ran on the top of the couch, and she ran on the couch, and we ran and jumped off. My parents had never seen me walk before. I was like eight months old. Wow. And I was like running on the top of the couch and jumping off the end. My sister <laughs> taught me that. But my sister also took paint from our garage and painted all over the side of the neighbor's house and then wrote my name, R-U-T-H. And so when my parents came in to yell at her for painting on the neighbor's house, she was 100%. It was Ruth. It says Ruth. Why are you yelling at Ruth? Why are you yelling at it's me? It's a perfect crime. I did not do this. Framed. How could you? How could you think it was me? Ruth signed her name to it, and, you know, even though I couldn't write, hadn't been yeah. to school yet. So my, there was always kind you had of a like, alibi. Uh, yeah, there was always a little bit going on there. How are you guys very different? 
personalities, you'd say. We are, we are very different. Yeah. Yeah. Is there is there a sibling that you're more similar to that? Um. That you hung out with. No, I mean I'd say of all of my siblings, Julie. Or are you the odd duck Julie, of, the, of the Yeah, group? I was the odd duck. I was always the odd duck. And then Julie was born, and I finally thought, oh, someone like me. Yeah. But when I left home, I was just 17 turning 18, so she was like 7, 8. Why were you the odd duck? Because they were, like, wild, and you were more mellow? Um, why, well, they were all blonde, and I was brunette. Okay. And I'm sure Susan probably told me, you know, the postman dropped me <laughs> off or something at some point. But, um, I don't know. Like, I was always, like bigger than them and different color hair and a totally different like um like I was much more like not melancholy but I wasn't extroverted they were very, oh, extroverted. very extroverted yeah yeah well yeah. extroverted from our family yeah like when I married the golden family then I there was a whole new experience about extroverted <laughs> that's like extreme extroversion yeah. like my my family we could all be sitting in the room and if someone like raises an eyebrow at you you're like oh I'm in trouble. Something <laughs> was wrong. And then if they just like give you the silent treatment and don't talk to you for like a couple hours or a couple days or a couple months, you're like, hey, what happened? But no, no one would actually like just tell you directly. Yeah. Yeah. And who's so? Who's the third sister? The one right younger than Laura. You? Laura. So what's yeah. her deal? Her deal? Um, well, she's kind of she's very much middle of the road middle kid. Okay, yeah. Yeah, she was more like the peacemaker. The peacemaker. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Susan and I were like iron sharpening iron. Yeah. Yeah, Laura was more oldest. like the peacemaker. But Chuck was like the boy. So that was like... He, he was all boy, like into sports. Uh, no, I, but he was like the boy in the family. So like okay. us sisters, we were always like, I don't know, catty. We were like always fighting with each other and competing with each other. But my brother was like... It's like, leave I'm out of here. He was like, leave him alone. <laughs> I'll be in my room. Yeah, but yeah. I have to say, when we were older and he used to get in trouble for picking on my little sister, Julie, he said he learned that from us. Oh. I was like, what? We never picked on you. <laughs> you were like the sacred child. But apparently we did pick on him because he really he used to tease my little sister, Julie, a lot. Okay. And he said he learned that from us. Yeah, that always happens. You know, yeah. that's the pecking order of, yeah. of things. Families. Yeah. Did you have to share a room? I did with Susan. Susan, yeah, the oldest, yeah. Yeah, so she would like fart under the covers and then cover my head and like, yeah. What's that called? It has a name. I just thought it was oh. like torture. But it has <laughs> right. a name, something. Yeah. And or then when we had bunk beds, she used to come into the room last, and yeah. she made me sleep on the top bunk. Yeah. And but then she would come into the room last, and she wouldn't turn off the light, and then I would be like, turn off the light, and she's like, I can sleep with the light on. But what's remarkable is you didn't then like take it out on Laura. No. You're not like, I'm going to... No. <laughs> pay it forward in, in a bad way. Oh, so that's good. Yeah. 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 So Susan and I were always kind of had our little thing going. And I think you said that um, you, you've been to all like 48 states as a kid. Yep. Yep. The continental So states. my family took us to all 48 states. There was only one state. I Well, one of those 48 states. I didn't go to with my family when I was in... like. I think I'd just gone into high school. One of my friend's family was going to Florida on spring break, and they took me with them. So I went to Florida on my own. Okay. But after I left to go to university, my dad took my younger siblings to Florida. So my okay. family's been to all 48 continental states, but I didn't go with my family to Florida. I did that But eventually. you went with them to like 47 yes, states. Yes, with them to 47 yeah. states. So would this be like... 
you know, summer vacation, we, we got two weeks and you, you just spent it on the road. Yep. Like how often were these road trips? My parents liked to drive anywhere. So like whenever they had time, like I remember driving to like an orchard and we pressed our own apples and brought home apple cider. Yeah. Or we would go cherry picking or, um, I don't know. Like we just, my parents, they would drive up to get yeah. cheese. Because <laughs> you said, was was it Disneyland or World that you said? Dis- we came to California. It was California. Okay. Yeah. So that you're, you're covering half the country yeah. doing that, right? Chicago. But, yeah. So, but we went to like, um, we went to Arizona. We went to the Painted Desert. But my parents let us get out of the car and, like, run up and down the sand dunes. Like, yeah. I remember that part of it. We went to the Petrified Forest. And we did, like, a tour to learn about it. Like, wood that's turned into stone. But then, like, we saw the petroglyphs by the caves and stuff. And then we, they had geodes that cracked open. And I was like, wow. Um, but then my parents, like, would let us, like, explore around. Like, look at things. Dig for things. Hunt for stuff. Like, it wasn't, like... I remember some of it was a little bit tourist, you know, we went to, I don't know, Mount Rushmore or whatever. Like, we did some of the tourist yeah. stuff, but a lot of it was, like, we were went Were you pretty much staying at campgrounds or in yeah. cheap hotels? Or? Yeah, campgrounds, cheap campgrounds. hotels. Okay. I think we always stayed we at driving, hotels. Like a station like wagon? Raining. I think, you know, what a I remember van? is a van. Of, okay. But I think we, we did have a station wagon because I remember it had these, like, metal trunk and then it would open the trunk would open up and the chairs faced each other yeah yeah that was a terrible place to put us kids <laughs> you also got to bring camping gear so you yeah. probably had a yeah. rack on the roof for the gear yep so when we had um our van i remember so it must have been like closer to high school like junior high age but it had a um uh racks on the top that all the luggage went in and then the front two chairs and the next two chairs were pilot chairs so they turned all the way around and you could put a table like it had a hole in the ground you put a metal post and a table there we used to play cards and stuff on there and then the back seat was like a kind of like a couch like a futon because you could unlatch it and it would lay down flat so we loved it when my dad let us lay down flat and roll around while he was driving Yes. You know, back when you didn't have to wear But we didn't do that all the time. But um, we always fought over the pilot chairs. Because, mm. my, of course, my parents' chairs had to face forward while they were driving. But the rest of us could, like, face each other or face backwards or, you know, rearrange how we sat and where we were looking. Yeah. So, and it had a little fridge in it. A little little oh. mini bar fridge. So, you could open it up. And we Sounds had, like, like a big van. Cold. It was, like, didn't Piece seem bigger than regular. But, I don't know. <laughs> Had a had a fridge in it, so he kept cold food in there, and that's cool. And I think we'd had a lot of practice by then of road trips. So yeah. And do you think part of it was like bad Illinois weather, just the the desire to seek warmer climate, or is it just fun to take road trips? I think it was more like I don't really remember my parents ever complaining about the weather. Okay. I mean, they still live there now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they could have moved. I live in Hawaii. My brother's moving to Florida. They could go someplace warmer. But I don't know. Like, everything was always kind of like an adventure. Yeah. Like, we went up to, um, I think it was Lake Erie, and we went into a cave where we got to mine our own, um, what's the purple crystals called? Uh, Amnesis? Mm. Yeah. Something, something like that. that. Where, and like, we used to have chunks of that at our, you know, at our house. Um, 
my dad bought a, a rock polisher so we would collect rocks from wherever we went and we'd tumble them and he was always trying to tell us like you can't pick sandstone you can't pick this you can't pick that but we're like dad polish this one polish this one we could never understand when it turned out to nothing but, but we were in illinois it, it did snow yeah oh, yeah. You know, yeah white christmas yeah and i remember one year we had a blizzard and... and my house is a little bit up on a hill and it was kind of two stories the bottoms like when you entered in it was like you had to go up or down and the downstairs was technically a basement but it was like kind of half below ground half above ground because it had windows and whatever and then the second story was like whatever not like a two full story house but it was the basement seemed more like a story at our house yeah. but anyways a little bit up on a hill Anyways, the blizzard was so bad. I remember my dad opened the front door and he hit with two fists the snow to try and like knock it down to get out. But he couldn't. Like even when he was hitting up high, he couldn't knock wow. the snow down. So he went upstairs to my room and took out my window and then popped down onto the snow and then started like digging, like digging us out. Because he could get to the um, garage inside yeah. the house. So he got the shovels and stuff. And then he went out through my window and started digging us out. So my sister Susan and I decided tunneling around the house was like the cool thing to do while dad was digging us out. So we started this tunnel we got from my room because my dad was digging at the front, trying to dig out the front door. So we dug out from my window all the way to the back door of the house and then we tunneled and came inside to get like hot chocolate and whatever. So my mom asked us what we were doing and then forbid us from going out and finishing our tunnel the rest of the way around the house. <laughs> My sister Susan was negotiating with her. She's like, you could tie a rope to our leg. Like, you could. In case there's an avalanche. <laughs> yeah. She's like, my stuck. sister's negotiating all these things. And all I remember was thinking how terrible it was that my mom, you know, like, we should have never come in for hot chocolate. We should have just kept digging till we got to the front of the house. But um, during that same blizzard, like, they're pretty... You know, keeping the school open is pretty important. Yeah. <laughs> snow days, they don't like waste days right. on snow days unless they have to. My sister was supposed to hold my hand when we walked to school or hold hold my hand if we were crossing the road when we were walking to school. So, but they had only cleared the road just enough. It's like just barely for two cars. And my sister was on the snow drift and I was walking in the road because there was no sidewalk. Like you, right. there was no yeah. sidewalk. So I was telling my sister, I'm walking in the road. You have to hold my hand. And so she laid down on the snow drift on her stomach and reached her hand down. And we could, like, barely, like, <laughs> tip of our fingers touch. And she's like, well, we can't get to school this way. So, I mean, we were in elementary school. Right. So we weren't very old. You walked to school when you were in elementary school? Of course. Yeah. Wow. Very safe. I was, yeah. like, and not I don't too know, far? Six, six blocks, maybe. Okay. That's a little way. Yeah. It's a little way to walk. But, I mean, it wasn't. Public school? Public school. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We walked to junior high. We didn't walk to our high school. It was a little... I mean, we probably could have. Actually, riding a bike would have been better, but it was like several miles away. But, um, yeah. Well, okay. We didn't take buses or stuff like that until high school. Okay. And um, is there a parent you got along with better than the other? Or you liked both of them? Or you were daddy's girl? Or what was the... Well, my dad called all of us his, his favorite. Okay. So, <laughs> whenever he's talking to you directly, you are his favorite. <laughs> So that's just, I think hands down, we all think Julie is my dad's favorite, um, but, but She's technically, yes, <laughs> but technically if you asked him, if he was talking to me, he would say I was his favorite. Um, I don't know. So my dad, cool my dad was a cool guy. Yeah. My dad was a cool guy. My mom was not the cool mom. So, you know, Cause she was like the disciplinarian. 
Yeah, no, my dad was a disciplinarian because it was very much like, wait till your father gets home. That was was the big threat, wait till your father gets home. But my mom was like very much like, um, like if we asked, can I go see a movie? She'd be like, we'll pray about it. And I was like, why does Jesus care? What, <laughs> what would Jesus care if I go to a movie or don't go to a movie? I did, and I'm not hearing a no. So I'm like, what kind of answer is that, Mom? She, I don't know. She, um, my mom. So had you a, were raised Christian then? The, my mom the, became a Christian when I was four. Okay. Yeah, yeah. and um, but that's like uh, her. She was very conservative. She was, sort of. but my mom had a lot of childhood trauma. Like her parents, yeah. um, yeah, they, they like literally worship Satan. Like oh. she went to like you know she wow. hold living like animals before they would sacrifice them like she has a, yeah. a big drama like a big big kind of traumatic conversion story how'd she become christian then a charismatic catholics she met somewhere um oh, okay. told her about jesus and she like radically changed things radically changed my dad grew up episcopal so okay. he was kind of um had like a a formal be a good person do the right thing kind of, but it wasn't like a really a relationship with God until I don't know, maybe a year or so after I got married. So it's quite a long time. But, um, my mom was, yeah, she was a full on Jesus freak. Like she was like, (laughs) she's very Christian, but she also had a lot of, in a certain denomination or would you say kind of regular non-denominational? We went, we went to the Episcopal church until I was like, um, maybe high school. Mm-hmm. I think so our junior high or high school I think like the the um the dividing point was um there was two things actually the um, one was at one Halloween um the the youth pastor who was the organist um invited a warlock to come to church to teach us tricks that we could do Wow. And my mom was like, this is not Christian. Like, she was just like, yeah, that is like this is not Christian. <laughs> so she was like, you know, there's all kinds of things that kind of bothered her. But, like, that was just, like, whatever. Yeah. And then the second thing was uh, my sister Susan. We were at some, like, church potluck or some church event. And the priest, I think the priest, the Episcopal priest, um, who was divorced and was little... I don't know, whatever he, whatever. I was kind of oblivious as a child, whatever was going on. But he, like, outright, like, said something kind of lascivious to my sister. Like, said something sexual innuendo to my older sister. And my mom, like, that was it. Like, we were not going back. (laughs) Very protective. Yeah, she was like, that's the, that's the line that we're not going to cross. Like, the priest does not get to say something of this nature to my child. (laughs) To my teenage child. So, yeah, that was like, whatever. So, my dad continued to go to Episcopal Church, and then my mom took us to an Assembly of God church. Okay, yeah. I'm not sure if that's the first church we went to, but that's kind of where we landed. Yeah. So dad was more, he was like affectionate and, and, and loving and, and how was he? Uh, yeah, my dad was the one who would like cook breakfast on Saturdays. I still remember pancakes and that's why I learned to eat spam and (laughs) he'd make, um, I don't know this, uh, I I forget. It's like some army food. It's like toast with some pasty white sauce and like cut up ham 
and it has a name, but I can't remember what it is. I only ate it when I was a kid, but for some reason <laughs> I thought it was amazing because my dad made it for us, you know. Did he like, keep a pretty, like, clean house, pretty Yeah, orderly. I mean, that was pretty much my mom's thing, but, yeah. I, but you know, my dad, he was the one who ironed, like, if we needed something ironed, he learned to iron in the army, so he would iron, um, you know, a lot of housework my dad taught my mom because my mom was raised in a house with um, uh, servants, Oh. And um, she would get like, she would get like punished, like severely punished if she asked them to teach her how to do something and then the maid or whatever would get fired. So my mom quickly learned not to, not oh, to do so. those things that she, like cleaning was something she was not allowed to do. Okay. And so my parents got she, married. She was from a wealthy family? Yeah. So um, when my parents got married, they were like way like the extremes. Like she was from a very wealthy family. My dad was from a very poor family. Um, so when they got married, it was like a real coming together of two very opposite. So my dad taught my mom a lot of stuff. The opposites of she had people doing things for her and he did everything himself. Yeah. Like my dad started riding a motorcycle when he was nine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. They were very much like, not like Some unsupervised, yeah. but you know, they, they raised themselves quite a bit. Like they're okay. kind of yeah. a close family, but they all kind of very independent had to take care of themselves figure things and out and you said he was one of nine so that lots of aunts and uncles and cousins yeah around. he's in the middle of nine his uh one of his sisters had i want to say 11 kids and one of oh, her kids wow. had 14 kids they have a lot of cousins um but, yeah on your dad's side alone. yeah his yeah so we had one aunt, his um one of his sisters we were closer to she had five kids and we know like yeah. knew their kids better than everybody else well is that fun would you do big family get-togethers for the holidays or yeah yeah like so like cousins? three times a year we would go we would go for christmas and we would go for easter and we would go for thanksgiving okay so we'd go down to springfield so we didn't see my how far is family that? that much three hour drive okay I oh, can yeah. tell you exactly. <laughs> we did a lot. <laughs> it was a three-hour drive. Okay. And and your grandparents were around? My grandmother was around when I was... I only met my grandfather once, and he gave me this cool... I think it must have been in like a silver dollar yeah. coin, which one of my friends stole, so I don't have it anymore. But anyway, uh, I only met him once, and then the next time we went was for his funeral. So we were there for his funeral. Oh, okay. And then it was like kind of contentious because both families were there. So you saw him once because they were separated? or My grandfather didn't live with my grandmother. He lived with his other family. Oh, okay. So, so yeah. So but no one really talked about it. Like, that's my family. Would be like, things happen, but no one really talked about no. it. But were they divorced? No. No? Oh, okay. No. Just like out in the open. I <laughs> that's, guess. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. And that's, that's your dad. What about your mom's parents? My mom's parents, um, well, they had three kids, so she had an older brother, younger sister, and um, one time, I remember we, because we go visit them sometimes. In Illinois? Uh, no, no, they lived in, a, in Maryland. Oh, in Maryland, okay. And um, I remember one time, my, I think my grandfather's family made their money during Prohibition, selling alcohol oh, to the military. To the military, it was like made a lot of money, <laughs> and then but by the time I knew him, they made a lot of money in stocks. They had like wow. they gave us like when I was born, I got stocks 
for birthdays. I would get stocks <laughs> and I didn't really get it, but you know, you get these dividends. So it's like, they kind of sent us money once a year, but it was like not on your birthday. So it was, Did I you ever cash in. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I cashed in my stocks to go to university when I started school <laughs> I paid for my tuition. Um, but, uh, uh, what was I saying? Oh, we used to visit, we went to visit my grandparents once my, I don't know why, but my parents sent probably cause my grandparents assisted because they always, we did things their way. But Susan and I got on a plane, we flew over and we spent, and my grandparents were picking us up at the airport and then we spent a little bit of time with them before the rest of my family drove over mm. and they were going on this family vacation. Anyways, they went to the wrong airport. So we were at the, like with the stewardesses for a long time. It was like a big family thing. But I don't remember it being stressful because we were having fun. But anyway, um, we went to my grandparents' house and they like, um, the things I remember about my grandparents' house is you open their fridge and there was like only vodka and cheesecake in their refrigerator. <laughs> it was like clean and bright white, but there was only vodka and cheesecake in there. But for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, we went out to to eat. And my family, like, only on your birthday do you ever oh. get to go out to eat. And it's like a big deal. But, um, so, you Did know, for us. Did they still service at that point? I think someone must have cleaned her house. Okay. But my grandparents drove themselves. Um, so they didn't have a driver anymore, wow. but, um, yeah. So I remember they sound like interesting people. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking in the fridge and I was like the weirdest thing. Cause I'm like vodka and cheesecake. Like <laughs> you're not even supposed to eat this till dessert. And what is, why do you have like clear water in this bottle? <laughs> but, um, yeah. So we went out to eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And then when we would order, my grandmother was always like, she'd take out to seafood restaurants, which was like some big deal, but I didn't like seafood. So my grandmother was always like really embarrassed that I didn't eat seafood because I'd order like chicken at a seafood restaurant. Mm -hmm. So she'd always want to order for me and then be upset that I wasn't eating it. And then we would try to drink something like water or milk or juice. And she'd be like, no, they have to have a Shirley Temple. Like she was ordering these like <laughs> fancy drinks for us. And I'm like, what? What are we drinking? So All I can think of is have you seen Everybody Loves Raymond? Like Deborah's parents are like the wealthy, yuppie yeah. parents, and then Ray's parents are the very blue collar parents. Yeah, that really reminds me. Of. But when we visit my grandma Scott, the thing I remember is she would put out like um, it's kind of like a bench, like if you not if you sit at a picnic table, you know those like ones you sit on, like you draw, pull out. Oh, it's like a yeah, long yeah. bench that you sit on. So on that long bench, she would have all these pies. Okay. And so it would be like pumpkin pie and cherry pie and rhubarb pie and apple pie. And I remember walking along with my like nose above, right above all the pies, <laughs> smelling them. Because you had to pick one. You only got one piece of pie. Because oh, okay. there's lots of us, right? But you only got one piece of pie. And I remember like walking by very carefully smelling them because we weren't allowed to touch them. Um, to figure out which pie I was going to have. And it was such a hard choice. Like rhubarb or cherry. Like rhubarb or cherry. Like which one? It's so hard. And what did you choose? Because I'd have to like wait another like several months before I got to pick it again. Um, those were usually my two. The, the two. two. Those. It was always between. Like because pumpkin pie and apple pie. Things like that. I could get other places. That's true. But they never were as good as my grandmother's. Yeah. But it was hard to get rhubarb and cherry pie up in Chicago. So yeah, that was like not the same. And are, are your parents still with us? Oh yes, both my yeah. parents are alive. Oh, that's yeah. great. Still in uh near Illinois in Illinois? Yeah. Okay. Um when I was like two or three. Springfield. Um no, no. They live in um what's called Montgomery. Montgomery, Montgomery okay. Illinois. 
So it used to be Aurora, but then they rezoned it. It's Montgomery. Okay. So if you ever watch Wayne's World, yes, Wayne's World, Aurora, Illinois, that was like I a stone's throw from where my parents live. That's funny. Yeah, that Real was place. actually the town because we're like unincorporated. So that was the town we used to be in, okay. and they redid the zones, and then we That's got funny. put into Montgomery. So we used to be in Aurora, and then Montgomery, even though our house didn't move. So uh, what was the high school you went to? Oswego. Oswego. Okay. So back when boys used to come to school with like shotguns <laughs> on the back of their truck and park it in the parking lot and go into class. Really? That sounds very like rednecky. Yeah. Cause it was like right <laughs> on the edge of the city and the country. Okay. So like my school was kind of more towards the city side. I mean, my house is more towards the city side, but my school was more the countryside, yeah. like farmer's fields. Did you like the city? Did you go into Chicago a lot? Oh, actually, you were pretty far from Chicago. Well, it was like a half an hour drive then. Yeah. Like now, it's more like 45 yeah. minutes or an hour. <laughs> but their house didn't move, but the traffic got worse. Um, we used to go into Chicago, but not a lot. Oh, like my yeah. parents, there's a lot of little towns around us. Yeah. Um, Sounds like overall a good childhood. It was overall a very <laughs> good childhood. I, I liked it. Safe uh, neighborhoods. Lots of people to hang out with. So how do you go from the high school to, and then it was University of the Nations in Kona, Hawaii? Yeah. Was your college? So I was, when I was in high school, we used to do a lot of, um, like, community work in the high school. So I was, like, with a choir that used to travel around the United States singing, you know, like. You sung in the choir? I did. Oh. I did. I wasn't, oh. like, the star. I was never, Musical. like, the star of things. <laughs> but, you know, I could fit in. You are in the back drama row. Drama <laughs> things. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, I, our church oh. was doing this thing where they had this big citywide music festival. Mm -hmm. And all these famous musicians were there. And we would go, and at the end, um, they would have an altar call. And when they did an altar call at the end of the um, concert, then we would come in, and then we would pray for all the people who came forward, because a lot of teenagers mm -hmm. and stuff. Um, I wasn't really into music, so <laughs> during the concert, I would, like, hang out and do whatever. I don't know. It was, like, I, Michael W. Smith or Carmen or Amy, oh, you know, like, yeah. Amy Grant, like, kind of people. Um, so I would, like, kind of hang out in the peripherals and do whatever. And then when I knew, like, you could tell when it was, like, coming up to the altar call part, then we would, like, go get closer, like, be closer to the front. So I was at one of these concerts, and, um, and I can't remember who it was, the singer, but he said, like, I want to do something before we do the altar call. And he started talking about giving a year of your life to missions. Like, oh, before okay. you go to university, before you go on, like, give a year and I don't remember all the things he said or how he said it but I felt like really like God was speaking to me at that moment so I went forward and said yeah like this is what I want to do and I already had like an academic scholarship to a university I already had um like I had good grades and uh, I was a good student I had um I had a friend who I was hoping to become my boyfriend at the the cologne guy at the you know oh, okay. a different guy <laughs> at the university and so I'd already gone and visited him with one of my friends and he's like we'll wait to start our relationship till you're here so I like kind of already had everything like this is where yeah. my life is going so when you know they asked us to give like to consider giving a year of your life to missions before whatever it's like a big deal for me it's like yeah. change all my plans and whatever but I really felt that that's what God was saying so I said yes and then I proceeded to spend the next, like, months, like, seeing, can I postpone my scholarship? I talked to my friend, my boyfriend, like, yeah. can, can we wait? You know, all this kind of stuff. And then looking for a place to join missions because I never really, 
thought about missions before. Mm -hmm. I had enough credit to my high school that I could actually graduate when I was seven. I did graduate when I was 17, but I could have graduated in like December and gone in January, but none of the missions organizations would take me as a 17 year old. Yeah. (laughs) So I kind of was like, okay, I'll go to school for a few more months till I figure things out. I did a Christian camp and was a camp counselor, like a kind of filling time. Um, but then as it turned out, there was a guy who spoke at my church about youth with a mission. And then I went to a mother daughter thing with my mom at church and the people across from us, she worked with youth with a mission. And then once I started talking about maybe doing something with youth with a mission, one of my mom's friends, he was a professor at a university. I actually, she was friends with his wife, but they had decided to, um, go and work with youth with a mission. So suddenly without ever hearing of it before, like within a couple months, I heard three people talk about youth with a mission. And so I had applied to go, um, into, uh, into England to do it, mm-hmm. but they said I was too young and had to wait longer and I had applied to Hawaii to do it. And so I ended up going there in September. Like I graduated in June and then went there in September. And University of the Nations is their college is YWAM's college. Yeah. So Youth with a Mission or YWAM is a missions organization. And one of the ministries of Youth with a Mission is the University of the Nations. So they focus on training people for missions, um, mercy ministries and evangelism. And, um, and was your plan to go for just one year or like all four years? Yeah, or? no, my plan was just to go do the like six month DTS program. So there's like th- three months of lecture phase where you learn about knowing God and making him known. And then, then you spend three months out on a, like on a field assignment somewhere yeah. on doing evangelistic and mercy kind of things or you're um, helping yeah. others in some way. So my plan was to do their like six month program and I had done this Christian camp before and then I was going to go do the Christian camp after. And, um, so the Christian camp was, um, we would take inner city kids, sign kids up in the city and then take them out to the camp and we would teach them how to horseback ride and canoe and go in camps and like, we, um, um, tents and stuff and all kinds of things. But we would every day have a, like a Bible study with them and, Mm-hmm. talk to them about faith and and things like that so I really enjoyed it um, that's what I did before and that's what I was gonna do after so that was gonna be my year mm-hmm. in missions so um, when I was doing my DTS lecture phase is when I really felt like God was encouraging me to go to the University of the Nations do my degree at the missions in missions and um, and it was like a big it was like very big because before I like thought it's just going to be like this chunk of time but now I'm like no this is like changing from child psychology to early childhood education changing from this guy that I really liked to (laughs) so after (laughs) the the first year you really liked it and and wanted to stay or felt called to to stay yes yeah and you got, and they have like four-year degrees through. Yeah, okay. so I got my bachelor's in early childhood education, okay. and um, and that were and so about like what, after what, like, I did age my does that cover uh, early childhood. Well, it's kind of um, not to eight, so it's like zero to eight. It's like zero to eight. But um, as far as like developmentally, what you work with kids, but what I actually work with is three to six-year-olds. Okay. So um, I have done a little bit of work with um, babies and toddlers. Yeah. But it's not my favorite. 
Yeah, so that's kind of like <laughs> and preschool. I have, yeah, preschool. and I have done six to eight year olds like mixed um, programs for like first, second, third graders. Yeah, but um, yeah. You like that age? You like? I do. I do. I like age. the preschool age. Yeah. Okay, so um, now for the fun part. <laughs> okay. <laughs> is okay. So Brian told me some stuff about how you guys met. So um, he says that. Uh, that uh, you met under a full moon when he walked you home from a friend's house and that you stopped at McDonald's on the way home and he said you were wearing an oversized black t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> so do you remember how you met Brian? So I first met Brian when I was doing my degree in early childhood and I had a couple roommates who were also doing that. So I had one roommate, Trina, she's from Ireland, another roommate, Ilona from Germany. And Brian knocked on our door, and I opened the door, and he was looking for Trina, because mm -hmm. he was taking Trina out to dinner. So I considered, I met Brian when he was picking up my roommate to go on a date. It was oh. the first time I met him. And um, he would, like, it's a whole story, I'll tell you if you want, but yeah, I do the want. second <laughs> time I met Brian, I was at um, our, kind of like our, not like dorm monitors, but like where we lived, our building managers um, they were like a married couple mm -hmm. who, who lived there and they were having a party at their house. So a whole bunch of us, not just the people who lived in our building, but a whole bunch of us came and were at their place. And this girl, Tammy, she wanted to walk home, but she mm -hmm. lived off campus. And so it was like, um, a, a 10 or 15 minute walk from the campus. And she, but she lived up behind McDonald's and it was like a bad part of town. Like oh, for where we lived, okay. it was considered like a bad part of town. Um, and so she was worried about walking home by herself. So I offered to walk Tammy home because I went for walks all the time and went for walks at night and it didn't bother me at all. Like I wasn't, no. I just, just like, I yeah. do this every night by but myself. Two's better than one. Yeah. And she was worried about walking home by herself. So I'm like, I'll walk you home. So then Brian overheard this and he's like, oh, you can't do that. Oh. And so I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> he's like, you can't walk her home. Like, cause then you'll be walking home by yourself. And I was like, who are you to tell me what I can and can't do? I walk by myself. So it was like this kind of argument we got into. Yeah. And then Tammy's like, hey, you can both walk me home. <laughs> and so Tammy had done a class with Brian. She had done her DTS with Brian. So she already knew him from before. Mm -hmm. And I had met Brian before, but he didn't, he didn't remember me at all. So, i.e., he was on a date with my roommate. <laughs> Wasn't paying attention to me. But anyway. It sounds like he offered because he just wanted to walk with you. Uh, no, he really wasn't. He didn't know me. He just, okay. he was like coming to Tammy's rescue and then saying, you know, my offer didn't oh, qualify sorry. because I was a girl and couldn't therefore walk home by myself. Okay. Anyway, so we walked Tammy home and then we were, and then we were walking back and he and I just kind of hit it off. Like we were just talking, talking about okay. all kinds of things. Actually, probably a lot like this conversation. Okay. He was asking me questions. I was answering. He was like, wow, this is an interesting person yeah. I could <laughs> talk to. But as he told me later, is like hit the stop at McDonald's and the stop at the front of the campus and all the stops that we made were more because he didn't want it, that, it, to, end. it to end. Yeah. But for me, I was walking my friend home and this annoying guy intruded <laughs> and this guy who was argumentative about everything and wanted to correct me on things. <laughs> Was like a like, golden. <laughs> yes. So to me, he was like really irritating and 
you know, I was just really being nice, trying to be nice to him, <laughs> as was always my goal, to be nice to people. Um, and he was kind of intruding on on our time. So I really didn't think much of it. Yeah. Although he was like, <laughs> his perspective and my perspective on that walk home were very different. Yeah. But it was a full moon. I have no idea what I was wearing, but an oversized black t-shirt <laughs> does sound like something I would have been wearing. He and, brings up the full moon on multiple occasions. It's Well, you know, because we did, it was a full moon that night. Because I'm very like notice nature things okay and so yeah. it was like really bright it was yeah. a bright full moon it did it was beautiful but um i think one of our first dates we went on was like full moon on our um when we got married and when we were going on our um off to our like honeymoon kind mm -hmm. of thing it was a full moon when i gave birth to our first daughter i was like going into the hospital and we actually stopped because it was a full moon mm -hmm. we named our first daughter mihailani which means technically means bright light in a dark place but the way it's used in the Hawaiian language is full like moon. Full moon, wow. Yeah. So um, we've had very a number of significant <laughs> events that yeah. include the full moon. So I, I give him credit. He <laughs> he's right, and it is significant for us. So. So yeah, and then um, he says like after that walk, he was smitten. Yeah. And he wanted to ask you out, but he said. You had, quote, 11 guys had already asked you out and you turned them down. Yeah, so... so he's like, she has options. I, I don't know about the number 11, <laughs> but um, I I did this thing after I did my DTS and decided to come back to the university and go to the university there. Because so many things were changing in my life. And I had, like, when I was on outreach, there was this guy that I, I thought that I'd fallen in love with. And... Um, at the end, because we weren't supposed to have any like special relationships during DTS, mm -hmm. basically because they're like, we want you to focus on God in right. your relationship with Him and not on a guy in your relationship with Him. And so they kind of like banned it for that yeah, six months. Sense. And they're like, look, if, if you love somebody, it's going to last more than six <laughs> months, right? Um, so anyways, at the end of the six months, this guy told, I told this guy that I liked him. Or I let it be known that I liked him. <laughs> and it wasn't so direct, but I let it be known that I liked him. And he let it be known that he liked me. So we actually were in the Philippines. So we sat down together and, um, and he's like, what did you expect out of a relationship? And so I like laid my heart open. I told him what I expected out of a relationship. And, you know, I was like, I don't want to date someone that I wouldn't consider marrying. So like, I want to like be serious in, in dating. Like I'm not just yeah. hanging out with people, whatever. I'm like, I can hang out with a lot of people, but, <laughs> um, but anyway, so then it was his turn to talk. And when he said what he expected out of a relationship, he was like, I don't want you to talk to any guys. I don't want you to look at any guys. I don't want you to be alone with any guys. And oh, he like started putting, laying like, out yeah. this, like all of the rules and regulations. Yeah. And I was like, this is too much like my mom. Anymore, <laughs> when he when he stopped speaking, I went from like I'm totally in love with this guy to like run run for uh, your life. Yeah. So I wasn't there wasn't even a moment that I considered a relationship with this guy yeah. after he told me his expectations, and so I was like, if you don't trust me, and you like like that was basically yeah. it. if you don't trust me, then you are not somebody yeah. I want to invest relationship in. So we like like 
kind of opened up the door and broke it off at the like in the same <laughs> meeting. And how long were you in the Philippines for? You were serving uh, three months. For three months. Yeah. Okay. So after that, I was like strangely heartbroken. Like yeah. I had never, like I had always broken up with the guys who wanted to go out. Like whenever I had gone yeah. out with someone, I was always the one who was like, okay, it's over. Broken it up. Including this guy. Including this yeah. guy. But I was like, I don't know, I could have, like, had I been a different person, I could have become a stalker. Like, yeah, I was really like, always wanted to know where he was. I wanted to know who he was talking to. Yeah. I wanted to know what he was doing next. I was interested in what he was eating. Like, I was just, like, obsessed with this guy. But mm. I was like, absolutely not. Like, I cannot go out with this person. Wow. But I just had this strange, like, real draw to him. And so I made this commitment to the Lord, like, not to date anybody for a year. I was oh, okay. like, something broke in me <laughs> and my compass for yeah. making good decisions about guys is, is broken. <laughs> like, and you were like allowed to date at the, I totally you could. got back and were allowed. I to... totally could. I could have dated and I mean, it's not like, I don't know. They just really wanted you to focus. Right, yeah. It wasn't like a rigid kind of thing. And some people yeah. did date sooner, but I like, I agreed with them. Yeah. I wasn't there to date. And plus I had this other boyfriend I was going back to anyway. <laughs> But, is it um, true though? Would a lot of guys ask you out? A lot. I think that, like the first guy who asked me out, and I just really kind of, in the nicest way possible, said, "Look, I'm just not, you know, I'm just not going to be dating anybody <laughs> for the next year." Kind of made it's this. It's not personal. It's not personal. I've just made this commitment to the Lord, and it was like a, it was like honey, to the, <laughs> to the bees. Like I was like oddly attracted to. Uh, people were attracted to me. Yeah. And it was odd. Like, it was odd to me. Yeah. I d wasn't, like... But I imagine a lot of couples meet in YWAM and... Yeah, yeah. It was, like, normal. There, like, yeah. yeah, a lot of my friends met guys that got married. Like, it's kind of the time anyway. You're in university. You're yeah. Everyone's your age. They're kind of have the same, Craig, yeah. same focus. You know, like, this is what we're doing with our lives. Like, it wasn't just, like, going to a church where you have, like... 10 or 12 guys in your youth group that you're looking yeah. at but this was like a hundred hundred people and like every three months it was new yeah. people also oh, the walk with brian happened during that year that you had sworn off yeah i kind of sworn off men <laughs> sworn off dating and this is when he decided was the opportune time to ask me out yeah and so it wasn't like him personally i just really wasn't looking at yeah. all like it wasn't like i wasn't interested in men but i really just wasn't looking so yeah. No one was really of interest to me. So, so when he asked you out, did you like explain the the year off thing when when you turned him down? You know, I'm sure I did because yeah. that was kind of my first. Whenever someone asked me out, I just was like, that was like the dead stop. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we had a lot of mutual friends, and we would see each other a lot. Because in our organization, like a lot of people were doing like three or six months, they would come and go. But all of the students doing their degrees at the university were there for a long time. So even though we would kind of come and go a little bit, like we'd go to Solomon Islands and come back, or we'd go to the Philippines, come back, like we'd go, you know, yeah. go to New Zealand, come back. But we would come back to do our degrees. And so there was a little bit of the, the degree students were all kind of closer friends. Because right. we knew everybody longer. Yeah, that makes sense. And, uh, and there was like, like there was a lot of transition, but we, we all kind of yeah. hung out together. Yeah, because according to Brian, you know, he asked you out, you said no, and, and he would have left you alone, but God said to him, "Get her a red rose and sing her a song," and he said that red roses were your favorites. Well, 
Okay, so technically red roses are not my favorite, (laughs) but this is how it kind of went with me and Brian. Like, Brian would come and ask me out, and I would be like, after he would leave, I would be like, God, I don't want someone like Brian. I want someone who's going to bring me flowers and sing me songs. Okay. I'm like, not him. So then the next time he'd like come knock on my door and he'd be like, hey, and I'd be like, hey, and he'd be like, can I talk to you for a little bit? And I'd be like, ugh. Yeah. And he's like, I just want to tell you something. So I'd be like, okay. Yeah. You know, like polite. Okay. But then he would like bring me a flower and then he would be like, I prayed and I felt like I should give you this flower and sing you this song. So he'd be singing me this like beautiful song (laughs) thing that he wrote. Totally unexpected because he's like a mohawk punk rocker. He was like this weird combination of California, which to me looked a little gay. Like my Midwest, like guys don't wear pink polo shirts with collars up and like plaid pastel shorts. Like that's not in my genre of men. Like the men I went to high school with were like shotguns. You don't like his bad boy image? No, he is. His image, like it was so like he's mismatched. Yeah. Like. He has a mohawk. He he talks like a rebel. He's whatever, but he dresses like some preppy guy from a TV show. Like I'm like, real people don't dress like that. That is not what men dress like. If you're going yeah. golfing, maybe I don't know. He was still trying to figure out his look and his yeah. His so his or he would wear these like pants that were like like gathered at the ankles and gathered at the waist, but they were like balloon pants yeah. and they were like multiple colors, like crazy yeah. random colors, like. The 80s were rough. <laughs> yeah. And then, but he'd have like a button up, button down collar shirt with it. Yeah. It was like some print. <laughs> and I would be like, who dressed you? Like. Sounds like wh- punk almost. Like Where do these clothes come punk, from? Yeah. yeah. And he'd have this like t-shirt tank top with no sleeves and big giant armpits. And it said, skate or be stupid. And I always found it like a front, like an aff- offensive. Yeah. I was like. I don't skate. Are you calling me stupid? <laughs> like, what are you saying here on this big advertisement different on your than, shirt? Different than your kind of conservative upbringing. Yes. Very different from <laughs> don't spring, don't drink, don't smoke, don't dance. He was, like, loud. And he was always, like, the center of attention wherever we were. Yeah. And I was always, like, the wallflower. Like, the most, the best thing, would if I could come and go and no one noticed me, Yeah, would be the best. And he was, even at, like... We had a birthday party at the building where I lived, and it was for everybody whose birthday was in June. And they had it once a month, right? So we went down to the June birthdays, and Brian's and my birthdays are both in June. And I was standing next to him while people were singing, and he did something. And my face, like, literally turned red. Like, I could feel it come up from my chest and cross my ears and go to my forehead. Like, I was burning hot. I was so embarrassed. Yeah. And then one of my friends asked me later, they're like, is that your boyfriend? And I was like no and they were like I've never seen you so embarrassed and I was like standing next to this guy is embarrassing yeah. like I just can't like we were so <laughs> different like we weren't even like related in any way like no relationship nothing just standing next to him during our birthday celebration was embarrassing for me yeah so but who who would have been more your type like a, a, a preppy like kind of David Bobkowski yeah. yeah the guy Brian sent to date me when he was away that's a whole story. But anyways, the thing with the story with Brian is he would come to me mm-hmm. and he would, and I would say, as soon as I left, I would be like, God, not this guy. And then I would name certain things. I want somebody who will do this. Wow. And then the next time Brian would come and knock on my door, he would do exactly that thing. 
And he was expecting, I don't know what he was expecting really, but the thing is it would make me super angry. I was always really angry because I would go home and be like, God, why would you tell him that? And then I would be like, I don't want a guy like this. I don't want a guy like Brian. I want this. Yeah. And I kept naming these different things. So anyway, finally. I want a polo shirt. Yeah. I mean, he just didn't and have the appearance yeah. or the behavior of someone that I like thought was my type. But anyway, on the last time he came knocked on my door, he said he was not going to ask me out again. And if I ever wanted to date him, I would have to come ask him myself. And I like scoffed. I like laughed out loud. I was like, like that, that'll never happen. That will never, ever, 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 ever happen. But thank you that you will stop pestering me. <laughs> So it's true. When I finally did like him, I had to ask him out. Well, I think, and then before that, then he even he um he he went somewhere and got malaria. Or yes, yeah. he yeah. went on his mission, right? Yep, yep. He went and got malaria. <laughs> got malaria. <laughs> I think they were building water systems. They were doing some community development outreach in some small islands. I always thought it was Solomon Islands. I think he said to me recently, it was like. Fiji or some some other place, but yeah, <laughs> um, but yes, he got malaria. Had a really high fever. They thought for sure yeah. he was gonna die. Um, so, yeah, so it says so. Yeah, he yeah. went. He came back. A few months had passed, and then you guys were at a party, and there was a massage train, and he gave you a back massage, and he's like, "Oh, I'm back in." And then after you said, "Hey, we need to talk." Yes. So while he was having malaria, I was in New Zealand, okay. and uh, we had totally. I was we helped start two different preschools and did a great did some great stuff while we were there. But I was there with this girl named Christy, who also was in Brian's ETS. So okay. I kept running into girls who had been on his ETS. And it was she and I were close friends. And one day there was this uh, hair salon, and it had a big um, thing on the window. It was like painted onto the window. It said "Hair by Brian." was the name of their shop. Of course, Brian always had these really radical hairdos. Yeah. You know? Very, like, long, really long hair, mohawk, things shaved on the side of his head. You know, it was, like, all very unusual. So, anyway, Christy was like, we got to have our picture in front of this place and take it back to Brian because she was going to stay in New Zealand. And so, I was like, okay. So, we took a picture there. And, you know, it was, like, a big, you know, deal just because we both knew him and laughed. Anyways, the, one of the last days we were packing before I left, and I was saying goodbye to her because she was going to stay in New Zealand, and we got talking about Brian, and she said, you know, Ruth, I think you really like him. And I was like, what? I don't like him. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, but you talk about him about this, you talk about him about this, and it was like like an abrupt kind of wake-up call oh. because I was like, what? No, I don't like him because there's all these things I don't like about him. <laughs> um, but anyways, it kind of woke me up, so when I came back... He, like, really physically had changed. Um, just, like, he was kind of emaciated, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Malaria has that effect on people. Yes. He looked, like, death warmed over. But it his, like, worst, I guess, it was like I was seeing him with new eyes. I was seeing him differently than I had seen him before. So, I kept... Like, what was different? Like, Well, I don't know. Like, physically, he was, like, really just skin and bones. Yeah. But, um, and that was attractive. No, that's what I'm saying. Oh. Like, it wasn't like I'd be more like the solar flex guy, would be like yeah. that kind of guy. But, um, I don't know. I don't know. Like, he had physically changed, but I think Maybe it's you just took pity on him. The way in which a sickly I... guy, this poor guy almost <laughs> dies from malaria. 
But I think the thing is, is that, oh, here comes the soccer ball. Um, the thing is, uh, I realized that I had been asking God for all of these things, like not him, but this, but not him, but this. And then when I thought about it, like, what do I really want in a guy? And I had said, what I really want in a guy who is someone who would listen to God and obey God no matter what. Yeah. And then one of my friends said, well, isn't that Brian? Yeah. Because. But is that true? When you were in New Zealand, you would find yourself thinking about him. uh, Yeah. At at times. Yeah. (laughs) But I think it was because like, I don't know, he was so obnoxious in my life, (laughs) but it was like became this prevalent feature like it was this yeah. character but it was always this irritating character frustrating well, character say, they say that's when you're away from someone you fall in love with them it's true <laughs> so i it was true for me so is that true the massage train happened so i don't really remember the <laughs> massage train i don't but i do remember saying i i want to talk to you yeah and so we met at this called the plaza we met at this place where the flags is kind of a central place on the campus <laughs> And he like baffled on, like he was like blah 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 blah, blah for like twenty minutes. I don't re- like he just kept talking. He was apologizing. He was explaining. He was saying all this stuff, and I was like, okay, whatever. Can, and then, I, can I say what you said? Yes. Then you said, I like you, but I don't really want to. Yeah, that's a, probably that's a direct quote. That would be a direct quote. Maybe I said it differently the way I said no it. I did confess that I liked him, but I didn't want to. Wow. And then, because he was like apologizing for all these things, I was like, just shut up. Yeah. And so then when I finally got to say my piece, then that's what I said. It's yes. true though. Like attraction isn't a choice. Like you can't help who you like. I right? like you, but I don't want to. Yeah, yeah. that was probably the reality of it. I was very attracted to him, but it was some big mystery even for That's me. That's like the best backhanded compliment ever. <laughs> I like you, but I don't really want yeah, to. Yeah, and so then I left and went to my room. Yeah. And then he followed me into the room and knocked on the door and was like, what was that? <laughs> yeah. And so then it like forced me, like that confrontation forced me to be like, you said if I ever wanted to go out with you that I would have to ask. And so whatever. And he, so then he said, are you asking? And I was like, yes, yes, I'm asking. And he's like, I'll have to go home and pray about that. (laughs) It was like the worst thing ever. I was so offended that. Because he had his heart broken. So he. Yeah. Like he he didn't want to rush into it. All of these times that I finally asked him out very badly, asked him out. (laughs) And then, um, and then he like said, no. And I was really upset. So, you know, oh, this is what it is. This, I'm sorry. I need to make a correction. Because I think he didn't say, I have to go home and pray about it. He said, you need to ask me properly. That's oh. what he said. You need to ask me properly. And so, I was really, I was really angry about it. So, anyway, once I cooled off and thought about it and realized that I still liked him, even though I didn't want to, I asked him out. And so, then we went out. We were sitting by the beach and having a talk and then I asked him if we could go out and that's when he said I have to pray about it uh, okay. and that made me extra angry extra extra <laughs> angry because I was like he knew I was asking him out and but then how quickly did it get back to you like it's yes I prayed no about it. it wasn't like immediately it was like later <laughs> it wasn't like the next day no Okay. it was later later and we didn't have cell phones then there was no texting back and forth or anything it was just wait so yeah we like it was always, at least at the beginning, probably still now, there's always this kind of love-hate thing going on where he, like, really makes me angry, but I still like him. So. But the truth was is that we're, like, really similar. Like, we would talk a lot. We would spend a lot of time talking. Yeah. 
and our like basic values, like the people who we really are is very similar. Yeah. The way it looks to the rest of the world is very different. Yeah. But who we really are is is very much the same. Yeah, well, well, he said that, you know, you wanted someone who was musical, and then he played you a song on the piano and sang to you, and you knew that was a sign yeah. of, like, oh, this guy listens to God. Yeah. And uh, how else would he have known to do this? Yeah, but it wasn't like he plays music all the time. Right. Yeah. He's, like, he's not really a musical no, guy. No, he's not, yeah. He likes music. Yeah. So he would, like, when you he was a DJ. You had to that dream. Yeah, and when he was a DJ, he used to put, like, together, like, soundtracks for me to listen to. But before I met Brian, I never really listened to music. Okay. Like, at all. Like, But you wanted a musician guy? That was, like, well, your fantasy guy? <laughs> I think because, like, I would go to, like, these, like, campus meetings or whatever, and there'd be, like, guys playing the, like, acoustic guitar. And, and they I'd were the be, cool like, guy. That's so romantic. <laughs> like, that's... I was like, yeah, so that would be cool, you know, someone who could just, like, play music and sing to you. That would be, like, a good guy. Yeah. But it wasn't, like... Like in a core value, it was just like that's <laughs> right. that's you know that would be a good guy. And then how long was the engagement? A few months. Um, we got engaged Easter, and I can't remember because it moves every year, right? So mm-hmm. I don't know, like April or May. Um, and we got married July first, okay. but our original plan was to get married in September at the end of the summer. And then you were um, still in school when you got married? Uh, I was working. I was working at a preschool. And, like, I actually worked till Friday and we got married on Saturday. Like, we got married the day yeah. after I finished work. Um, and, like, two weeks or something after you graduated? A week or two after I graduated? On July 1st, 1980. Yeah. But we were going to spend the whole summer getting ready for our wedding. But then one of our friends said, why don't you guys get married and then spend the whole summer on your honeymoon mm-hmm. instead of spending the whole summer getting ready for your marriage and then having only two weeks. They're like, you should have a whole summer for your honeymoon. That's so much better. And Brian was like, yeah, like, why? what are we going to wait all summer? So the thing is, most of our friends left on outreach for the summer. Okay. So the reason I got married like the day after I finished working was because most of our friends were leaving. It wouldn't be back until September. And so it was either that day or three months from that day. And, um, yeah. And so... So you spent the whole summer on the honeymoon. We did. all these places. Yeah. We spent our whole summer on honey, on our honeymoon. Wow. I would recommend it to anybody. And it was a nice wedding? It was. Your family came out? It was. My family came out. Who was your um, maid of honor? Um, um, one of my friends from high school, Patsy. Oh, okay. And then my sisters and Brian's sister. With like bridesmaids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then um, Brian had, well, he had his brother, but his brother missed his plane. Yeah. Got drunk the night before and slept in and missed his plane. So Brian didn't even get to, like, meet your parents before? Um, Brian had met my parents before because they'd oh, come out they to visit? Hawaii. Oh, they Okay, yeah. yeah. My mom was like, you mean you're dating that crazy guy who drives like a maniac? <laughs> and made me crazy feel like... Crazy mohawk Yeah. And my dad was like, Really? That's the guy you like? And I'm like, I know. It's a mystery to everyone. <laughs> no one understands why I'm picking this guy. Yeah. So Brian had met my parents, and I think he'd met some, but not all of my yeah, siblings. Yeah, and did he, like, ask for their blessing? And He did, and yeah. yeah. Called yeah. my dad. Asked, like, scared my mom. Because <laughs> he was... Like- he was in... I got um, a reluctant yes. That's right. From the parents. Because I went home for Christmas... And then when I came, because I knew I liked him and we kind of started seeing each other. 
And, um, and I went home for Christmas, but I didn't tell my family about it cause it was like new and I wasn't really sure. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, so I went home for Christmas and I came back and so after Christmas we like started dating, but then he went to Honolulu. I lived on the big Island in Kona. He went to Honolulu to take a class. It was his last, his last class before graduation. Oh, his second to last class before graduation. So we went to Honolulu and he was in Honolulu and while he was in Honolulu, I kind of decided, like, basically when he was gone, all of my friends were like, what are you doing? This is totally crazy. He is not the right person for you. <laughs> like, what were you thinking? And so I wrote him this letter and I just said, hey, listen, I think, I think I made a mistake. Like, we shouldn't go out. Like, I think this is a bad idea, whatever. <laughs> so he received that letter February 14th. Valentine's Day. Yeah, that, that wasn't my intention <laughs> because I'm not really big on holidays and dates. Right. But he got that for Valentine's Day. And what I got for got Valentine's Day. Letter. Yes. What I got for Valentine's Day was a date with David Bobkowski. <laughs> who, if you remember, I mentioned before, yeah. if you said, he was, was, there, was there a type? Yeah. And if I had a type, it would have been David Bobkowski. Curly, dark hair. <laughs> Like, sporty guy, dressed well, spoke well. Anyways, David Bobkowski take... So, Brian sent David some money and said, please take Ruth on a date. It's Valentine's Day. I'm not there. So, yeah. David took me on a date for Brian. Which is a risky move. I don't know what Brian was thinking. <laughs> my girl. But, yes, he wanted me to have a date for Valentine's Day. So, David took me to a movie, which I love, and Brian doesn't like movies. <laughs> he took me to a movie, and he took me out to dinner. And while we were at dinner, he started talking to me, and he's like... So you and Brian are going out, da, 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 da. and then he's like, "Why are you going out with Brian, Ruth?" He's like, "Is he really the guy for you? Like, are you sure this is whatever?" I was like, like "I can't explain it." I can't, and I was like, oh, "I just sent this letter to Brian. These are like, he's like probing me, but I was like, these are all my thoughts. Like, why am I going out with this guy?" And so basically, we just kind of dated a little bit, and then he was off island, and then I wrote him this letter. And I was like, everyone's asking me why I'm Wait, dating you. You and David date a little bit? No, 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 no. no. Okay. So I sent Brian this letter, and I yeah. was like, let's end it. And then Brian surprised me with a date with yes. David Bobkowski. And David is like, why are you dating Brian? And I was like, I don't know. I wish I could tell you I wasn't, <laughs> so you and I could start dating, like, right this minute. Yeah. But I didn't. Um, but anyway, and then, uh, so then, so that was February. So Easter weekend, Brian made this plan to get he's like okay so I he called me when I got home from my date and he was like look I got your letter and I was like yeah I got your flowers and went to the movies with David <laughs> and then he was like let's not make a decision till I get there you're like your plan almost backfired <laughs> <laughs> had I not already made this decision I definitely would have been writing you a letter tonight he's like hey let's let's not make a decision till I get there like I'm gonna I'll come back and we can make a decision I was like I don't know like, it's three months. I don't know. So, anyways, he's like, just promise me you'll wait till I get there. So, I was like, okay, that's fine. I'm not, wasn't like, I'm planning on dating someone else tomorrow anyway. So, I was like, oh, it's, it's fine. So, anyway, he made this, like, secret plan to come visit me. I had this, like, long holiday weekend for Easter. So, he came, he flew over and didn't tell anyone. He got ahead on his work and got permission to, like, leave, like, for a longer period. So, he turned in all of his homework early did his extra assignments. He came over. He, I think he rented a car or borrowed a car from someone. I don't know. Anyways, he surprised me. And then we had like a day. We drove all around the island 
and we drove around the island. We like laid in this tall grass and we looked at the sky and we talked about what we wanted in our lives and we went swimming at the beach and we drove on the mountain and like like this great day together full of nature which is like wonderful for me and lots of like talking and whatever at the end of the day we're sitting in the jacuzzi at my condo and the sun is setting and we're just hanging out in the jacuzzi talking and he was like you know I could marry you I was like yeah I could marry you and then of course he follows it up with but I wasn't asking I was like yeah yeah I know you aren't asking like you know like this almost romantic moment crushed by reality so then he's like hey let's go let's go and I was like what we're like sitting here he's like no no, no let's go like it's getting late let's go so they like, go okay like so grab my stuff we go upstairs to my apartment my roommates are there and then he's like hey um do you have your like dad's phone number I was like, oh, my dad's in Florida with my brother and sister. They're watching some, um, you know, launch into space um, of the space shuttle. He's like, I need to talk to your dad. And, of course, no cell phones. And so I was like, I don't know. You'd have to call my mom. And I was like, why do you want to talk to my dad? He's like, no, I just want to talk to your dad. And I was like, like oddly suspicious. You didn't put right? the pieces together? I did. But it was like, I was like, really? He's going to call my dad like right this minute? Right this minute. Like he had this like one thought about marriage. Now he's going to call my dad right this minute. So anyways, I was like, well, my mom's number is, you know, I give my mom's yeah. phone number. So he called my house. Of course, they live in Chicago. So he like wakes my mom up in the middle of the night, six hours or something different, wakes her up and demands to, how do I get hold of my dad at this hotel they're staying in in Florida? My mom's like, what's going on? He's like, just what's Scotty's number? And so he won't give her any information, but wants the number at the hotel, calls my dad at the hotel in Florida, then asks my dad, like wakes my dad up in the middle of the night, asks my dad if he can marry him, if I can marry him. <laughs> and my dad is like, uh, yeah, like, I guess so. <laughs> And so, anyway, Brian gets off the phone, and he's like, come on, we got to go. And I was like, go where? He's like, we got to go, we got to go. And I was like, it's almost midnight. He's like, hurry up, we got to go. It was like 11 o'clock at night or something. So, we get in the car, we start driving, and we're driving, 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 we're driving south. So, basically, there's like a couple places you can go driving south from Kona, but he passes them all. And he's like, doesn't want me to talk to him, and he has a plan, and this is what we're doing. And I was like, but once we pass, like, kind of like the point of no return there's like one last town we pass and then after that town it's like 97 miles till you get to the volcano yeah. and then it's like you know another i don't know 30 minutes or something to hilo i'm like okay where are we going you're scaring me it's the middle of the night we're driving off into nothingness like where are you taking me and he's like oh there's this beach there's this spot and this beach i want to take you to and i was like well that is back behind us we passed that oh, so he like does this like <laughs> like turnaround thing are and you then, thinking he might propose i'm not sure <laughs> at this point i'm like i don't even know like brian's so unpredictable i would be it's like very spontaneous i'd be talking about flowers and suddenly he'd be talking about venus like we often would be having a conversation and i thought we were going one place and he's like way someplace else so yeah. it was always like unpredictable if you ask me what are you thinking I would be like, oh my, so shocked and surprised that we actually made a deal in our relationship. If I said, what are you thinking? You have to tell me exactly what you're thinking. Because normally it was like a billion miles away from whatever I would have guessed you were thinking. He was probably thinking, I got to propose before she changes her mind. Yeah. So what he was actually thinking is I have to propose before midnight. But he wasn't saying that. But he was driving like a crazy person, telling me not to ask questions. 
you know, whatever. And he, we had had this weird abrupt conversation that just ended. And he tried to call my dad and then we're whatever. Wow. So he does this U-turn, crazy U-turn, heads back, takes off down this road. We're driving on the road. He still doesn't tell me where we're going. And then he like takes this like, um, this one lane rough road and it's like up and down and it's kind of dusty and foggy and and you see like headlights and you wouldn't see headlights and later it's because the road is like this up and down up and down so you wouldn't see the headlights when they went down but I didn't know and so we got to this point where I was like frightened yeah like frightened <laughs> like this madman is driving me off into some wilderness it's gonna like dump my body on yeah, the side of the road not what you want for a proposal yeah so I was like finally I was like you have to stop take me home I don't care where you're planning on going right now. I don't want to go there. I want to go home. You have to turn around and take me home. And he was lost and disoriented and flustered. And so he relented. So he, he like backed up and turned around. Then we finally got back to the highway and we're on the highway. And then I made some comment. It's like, Oh, like it's almost midnight. Like, our perfect yeah. day is almost over. He slams on the brakes so hard that if I didn't have my seatbelt on, I would have literally gone through the front window. It was like, like right in the middle of the highway. He just stops the car. Not like pulls over to the side, signals, and moves over. He just yeah. stops. Of course, there was no one else. You're in Hawaii. Like, there's not like here yeah, stopping in the middle of the highway. Coasted to yes, stop. we could have coasted. He could have signaled and moved over. He could have just moved into the left lane instead of being in the middle of the road. But he just like dead stopped. He dead stops abruptly and then demands, get out, get out of the car. I was like, what? He's like, get out of the car right now. And I was like, what are you doing? He's like, just get out. So I got out of the car and he like stood in front of the headlights and then he proposed. He's like proposed to me. With no ring, I'm guessing. No, no ring. He's like, no plan. I still don't have an engagement ring. Um, so he like proposes to me and then I say, I was like, you know, my response was like thinking of the vows, like, yes, I'll like love and obey you forever. <laughs> and I'm like giving my response that I just started. And I said, you know, I'll love and obey you forever, whatever. Like, I don't know however the vows go. <laughs> yeah. And he would probably be able to quote me. I'm not good at quoting, but, um, he like stopped me. He like totally interrupted. He's like, no, you don't have to obey. Like, I'm not that kind of person. You don't have to obey me. He, like, starts debating my response to his proposal and correcting me and saying it's whatever. Then I was, like, so mad. I was like, okay, I want to take back my answer. My answer used to be, yes, I want to give you my homework. we have a do-over on this proposal? I was like, this is the worst proposal ever. And I was, like, still saying yes until this point when you started arguing with me about obedience. So anyways, so that's how we got engaged. So that was the it was like right at midnight in the middle of the highway. Wow. After a very adventurous, like beautiful, rough day. Yeah. So we you got, got engaged. a funny story and, out of it. Yes, it is. And when Brian tells it, it's very funny, but he doesn't have my kind of painful side of it. Right. Because mine was like painfully, he's like, it was so romantic. I was like, it was like torture. <laughs> It was like this love, hate, you know, thing. But, um, yes. So we got engaged and, um, and then he left like the next day. And then I spent a lot of time contemplating what I had just done. Like the decision <laughs> that I had just made. So anyways, he was gone. Um, Wait, where did you go? He was like, cause he had to go back to Honolulu cause oh, his classes, right. <laughs> his university classes were there. So he was gone January, February, March. 
So he came back in April. So basically we were together and engaged April, May, June, and then got married July 1st. So it was really kind of like from Christmas when I was like, should I or should I not tell my parents about this weird guy? Yeah, pretty quick engagement. To no, I'm breaking up to, hey, we're engaged to, (laughs) oh my gosh, we're going to be married in three months. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, it was pretty. Wow. And then like how long were you in Hawaii for before you moved to New Zealand? How does... New Zealand. Um, we got we moved to New Zealand in like January of ninety two. Okay, like three years late or two yeah. and a half years later. Yeah, a couple years. Later. And by then I was pregnant with Mahalani. She was born like a month, or three weeks, or something after. Okay. After we moved, so she was she was born in New Zealand. Javon and Austin were all yeah. born in New Zealand. So when so does uh, does YWAM say like we want you guys to move, or do you ask them like where do where can you station us? Like, do you get to pick New Zealand, or do they? Yeah, you pretty much pick it. I mean, you get invited different places. Um, we, I had gone to New Zealand and worked there for three months um, before Brian and I were married, and yeah. then the lady so you who liked was it there, yeah. And then when, um, when Brian and I still didn't have kids when we were married, we went to um, the lady from New Zealand. Her name was Christine. She asked me to come and help. They had an outreach going from New Zealand to Samoa. Mm-hmm. But she couldn't go. So she asked if Brian and I would lead the lead that outreach. So we had gone to Samoa for three months and led an outreach and started some preschools there. Um, so we still had, like, connections okay. with New Zealand. And so then when I was graduating and we were looking at what we were going to do next, then Christine invited us to come to New Zealand and help run the programs there. Yeah. And you were there for eight years, did you say? Um, No, we were no. there for, like, oh, four years. Oh, it seems okay. impossible to have three children in that time frame. Yeah. But Mahalani was born three months after we arrived. Mm-hmm. And then um, Javon was born two years later. And then Austin was born like a year and a half after that. And he was like six months old when we left. Okay. So we like crammed a lot of children into And Mahalani his... still lives there, right? Uh, Mahalani lives in Australia. Oh, in Australia. Okay. Yeah. So all our three oldest kids have yeah. dual citizenship and yeah. they have passports. And overall, you you like New Zealand, beautiful country. Beautiful country. All I really know is that they film Lord of the Rings there. <laughs> yeah, majestic scenery, <laughs> very kind of practical people. Yeah. Um, like it's like moving into the fifties in the United States, <laughs> kind of like a little retro experience. But um, a big mixing pot with the Polynesian cultures. Like I learned about. I mean, I knew like Fiji and Tonga and Samoa, but like Nui and. Um, Cook Island, like all these like island people groups I'd never heard of before. Um, you got to like meet people, and it was so funny to see like Polynesian kids speaking with British accents. It was like my <laughs> mind was like, "What? Like you're not even this culture, and you have that language, and like how does that all work?" So from there, you go back to Hawaii. From and, there, and, and we were there, and then we came here to um, And is that because, like, your visa expires, or they, they yeah. just relocate you? Yeah. So, we had visa issues. So, we wanted to stay on in New Zealand, but we had visa issues, and it kind of ended abruptly. Like, I think you get, like, I don't know, like, 28 days notice is what we had in Australia. I can't remember in New Zealand. But yeah. it's, like, pretty short. Like, pretty once short, they make yeah. a decision, then you only have, like, a certain amount of time to move. So our time in New Zealand kind of ended abruptly and we moved here to California and we were here for a year and it was like the biggest culture shock of my life. 
Because you had never lived in California. I We had visited. Yeah, visited. So I'd been here like for like a week or 10 days. Yeah. I think we were here. On the honeymoon weeks. tour. We, yeah, that's right. We were here for three weeks on our honeymoon. And then we went to Chicago and then we were going to Canada. But the church here that Brian went to asked us to come back. So we canceled our trip to Canada, which I really missed. And we came back here instead. So we actually were like six weeks oh. of our three month honeymoon here. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that was kind of my experience. So you're here for this. a year, like in, in a house or with Jackie or with um, Brian's mom. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so we were living with Brian's mom and our three kids. Mm -hmm. And I had the biggest culture, um, shock of my Why? entire what life. The, what was the culture shock? Um, like, like, like my mother-in-law was, was like, like one of my kids to celebrate, um, Halloween. And I was mm -hmm. like. Nah. Like my mom was like oh, okay. literally afraid of Halloween. Yeah. Like there's all these symbols the and warlock. things. <laughs> well, I mean, because of the way my mom grew up, there's a lot of symbols of the occult. Yeah. That people kind of play with at Halloween, but for her, related to actual experiences. Yeah. That were frightening, you know, like terrifying to her yeah. as a child. But people were like playing with them at but Halloween. But did you have the mentality like I want to be less conservative than my mom, or I want to be more more cool with? Well, I I don't think it was like conservative. I think a lot of her decisions were kind of fear based, yeah. and so I knew my mom was strange, but she was more like traumatized. Yeah. Um. So it wasn't like. Um, and you wanted to be. It wasn't like she was trying that, to yeah. be. Yeah. Right, right, no. <laughs> you know, but um, yeah, I just like I to me I was like harvest festivals are great. Like I like yeah. like having the celebration. Like to me, I thought you know getting dressed up in costumes and. And do all that stuff is great. Being afraid is not great. Yeah. Like, I don't want my children to be frightened. Yeah, okay. Like, when they see bones, I want them to go, that's so cool. How many bones are there? And how are they connected? Yeah. And, like, that. I don't want them to see bones and be like, <gasps> someone's dead. We're going to die. You know, like. Or, when someone... Are you still anti-Halloween to this day? I kind of am, yeah. <laughs> not, I kind of am. Because, to me, I think it's more like, um, you gotta you got to kind of deal with the reality of where does this yes. come from. Like to me, you okay. Don't like being scared. <laughs> culture shock, like culture shock. Well, you know, like we never told our kids about Santa Claus till we got here. Yeah. My mother-in-law was, she thought that was abhorrent, like not just bad parenting, but actually wrong, not to have told my children about Santa Claus. And I'm like, well, because they were like four or five. Yeah, that, yeah. They were four or five. I can't remember. Mayhew was four or five. Javon was two. Austin was six months, and. Like, I told them about St. Nicholas. Mm -hmm. I told them, you know, who he was and where he came from and why they celebrate it. Never mentioned Santa Claus. Live in a foreign country, can totally get away with that. Mm -hmm. Here in America, can't really get away with that. Yeah. <laughs> you see him all over. He's all yeah. over the place. And, you know, Mahalani's thing, after, like, Graham explained all about Santa Claus, she came and she's like, Mom, why do people lie to their children? about <laughs> and I was like it's kind of not a lie it's more like they're playing a game yeah and she's like they're tricking their kids and I was like okay don't say that to grandma <laughs> and I was like yes they're tricking their children uh, oh so Jackie was like way into Santa Claus yes and, and way into Santa and May was like too old for it yeah. she was like what no you know <laughs> and so her first question is like why are they lying to children and I was like, no, it's a game. It's a game they play. So I was trying to, you know, keep it whatever. But I don't know. I remember going to church with Brian once and someone asked me about my shoes. And I was like, I don't like, they were asking me about yeah. the name of my shoes. And I was like, I don't know. They're like blue heels. Yeah. And they're like, no, no. What kind of shoes are they? And I was like, 
I don't know, wedges? Yeah. They're like, no, what what shoes are they? And I just took my shoe off and literally handed it to her. And she's like, oh, Tommy Bahamas? Like, oh. And they were like, whatever. And I was like, it was such a weird experience for me because yeah. I was like, what, like, why would someone at church want to know the name? Like, who made my shoe? Like, it didn't it mm. didn't make sense to me. Yeah, I have a thought, So, though. that was one thing. That was, like, my first, like, I can pin culture this moment shock. down. Culture shock. The second thing was, I went from a place where they didn't even have, like, salad dressing was mayonnaise. Like, that was it. <laughs> mayonnaise is salad dressing. That's And yeah. most of the time, they didn't use it. But if you asked <laughs> for salad limit. dressing, that's what you got. <laughs> wow. So, that's where I lived, where your choices were. Like, we used cloth diapers. There wow. were no... They call them nappies, but there were no actual <laughs> disposable diapers didn't actually exist. You know, no microwave popcorn because there's no microwaves, right? That's quite the year. Like I, like, I lived in a place and, like, had gave birth to my children and totally, like, lived in that culture for my first mothering experience. Then I came back to California where water cost more than soda, where oh, you went into funny. the grocery store and not only were there like 50 choices of types of salad dressing, but when you actually narrowed it down to ranch dressing, you still had to make 10 or 15 choices. Like, wow. do you want this brand? Do you want this kind? Like, do you want Robert, what is it? Robert Redford, some famous guy, <laughs> ranch dressing or Hidden Valley ranch dressing or whatever. I so it was really that different from Illinois. Oh my gosh, it was wow. so different. And like all of the choices I had to make were like, seemed like a multitude. Like. In New Zealand, they were like, would you like some tea? The answer was yes or no. Yes or yeah. no. Tea was tea. It came with a tea bag, came with milk and sugar. <laughs> it was like, you didn't get to decide how much sugar you wanted. You didn't get to decide how much milk you wanted. You didn't get to decide if your milk went in first or last. You didn't get to decide how long it steeped. You didn't even get to pick herbal or not herbal. Tea was tea. The answer is yes or no. Would you like tea? Yes or no is the answer. I came back here and went into a Starbucks and I was like left nearly in tears. I'm like, there's so, so many, many decisions. Options. Like, oh my gosh. Like, it's not just what type or what flavor, or what temperature, or what's oh, wow. in it or what's not in it. You know, do you go to Jamba Juice? And I'm like, I just want orange juice. You're like, oh no, it's like, do you want this boost in it? Do you want this? It was like just this multitude of decisions. So that was the second thing. You're describing capitalism, I think. Yeah. Well, I don't know. So all the choices. The third culture shock that like really impacted me was I was with these um, two people once, friends of Brian's, and, um, and they were having this discussion about whether or not it was okay to buy fake jewelry for your pets. Like, is faux <laughs> diamonds or whatever they were. Some kind of diamond oh, they came wow. out with. Um, um, That's a very LA uh, question. Something, some, I don't know. They made some fake diamond. I can't remember as the name of it. not blood diamonds, it's okay. Yeah. So, was it okay <laughs> to buy for your pets fake diamonds or not? Because apparently it was not okay to buy fake diamonds. Yeah. But if it was for your pet, could you... And to me, I'm just saying faux diamonds. There was some name. I can't remember what it was for these fake diamonds. <laughs> but literally, after, like, praying for money for toothpaste and like watching people you know like hand washing their clothes and yeah. you're like really <laughs> like when we lived in New Zealand it seemed luxurious compared to when we went to Samoa and Fiji and Tonga where like they were sweeping the dirt on the ground because it was like the the house was the the hard packed ground with wooden posts and a thatch roof yeah. and that's where you lived and like everybody lived in that same house together there's not even walls or windows you know, when they're talking about eating, you're like digging food up out of the ground and scrubbing it or fishing it or like they're building a fire to cook it, you know, like pretty much like life and death 
Like yeah. no food for making macaroni necklaces. That was like, <gasps> like you can't right. use food for toys. That's like people are starving kind of thing. And I'm literally standing next to these two very sincere Christian women, nice people who are like actually debating whether or not fake jewelry for your pets is okay. And I like my head nearly exploded. Like I was like, I can't understand. Like we have to make so many choices right now. It's killing me. And this is not even a choice. Like why are you <laughs> buying diamonds for your dog? And so it was really challenging for me. And plus yeah. Brian's family was very, very different from mine. Yeah. Very loud and argumentative and you know, whatever my family is very quiet and reserved. And so it was a lot of, differences for me yeah. and uh so, so were you like the the primary decision maker of the family like a lot of those choices yeah. fell to you yes because like shopping and cooking and uh like the cleaning things are like was all in my domain yeah. of things um it's like changed now i've trained my husband <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i trained into well, it can a lot be, of yeah things. it can be a burden to be the primary decision maker yeah know, like but even like filling in forms i remember when we filled in our um, immigration forms in australia it was literally like the it was three packs of forms i had to turn in it was literally a ream of paper like 500 pages like it was wow. it was bigger than a ream of paper like all of the paperwork i filled in and you know it wasn't like packed down so maybe it wasn't technically 500 pages but it was a lot of documentation like who are my grandparents grandparents where were they born you know what year were they born who were they married to like all this documentation of every place we lived or moved, every place we had visas, you know, yeah. a lot of information. And, um, I, you know, we never, like people would pay like $10,000 to get someone else to do it for them, but we didn't have $10,000. <laughs> so here was me, you know, filling in form after oh, form man. after form. So, um, yeah. So after a year, you're like, we got to go back to Hawaii where things make sense. <laughs> <laughs> after a year, we were invited to go back to Hawaii, and I really didn't want to go. I mean, not oh. like to that particular job. They wanted me to come be the preschool director, mm -hmm. but I really liked teacher training. I liked working for the university. You like going to new places. Yeah, I like being able thing. to travel and uh, to work with teacher training. So going back to being a preschool director wasn't really what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, God clearly spoke to Brian and I about doing it and, um, it was probably the hardest, most painful thing I did. It was really difficult season for us. Cause but, you didn't like being the preschool director? No. Um, well, because, uh, I, God showed me like if I wanted to train people that they had to have a model mm -hmm. that they could do it in. And if I wasn't invested in the model, like the practical experience for them, then what was the point of just giving them all the head knowledge if I wasn't going to give them the skills and, oh, you know, a place sorry. to apply it. Yeah. And so, I don't know, kind of like changed my thinking about the, the importance of running good preschools. Not that I thought there should be good preschools. Yeah. I just didn't think it was important that I be the one invested in, <laughs> in yeah. doing it. And you were there a while, right? Like 10 years? 10 years. Yeah. yeah, we were there 10 years. And you had two more kids there. Yeah. And we had two more kids, Yeah. So, but it was, um, you know, like once I kind of got the preschool running, I was also like the PTA president and my kids at the public school. I worked for, um, direct the directors of Hawaii. So I represented our Island on the eight islands of Hawaii and would go to meetings on, in Honolulu. And once a month I, 
um, we kept, I kept busy. I'd like go on missions trips overseas still. And so. you're doing this with five kids, which is crazy. To me. Yes. <laughs> like, and they were all like, cause um, what do you do? Do you have like a babysitter? I mean, or, no, you know, like when they were like, little, they it? would come with me until they got to about 18 months when they really started walking. They couldn't be at preschool with me. So kind of 18 months to two, then they were more with Brian. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah, you can't have a toddler at a preschool. They're sticking little beads up their noses yeah. and you know, whatever. So, with Mahalani, she did. When we lived in New Zealand, she did come with me. But she was, like, the model child. (laughs) She was the firstborn girl. (laughs) The other kids didn't work the same way. Um, But, yeah, they really... They came with us. And once they were in preschool, they were with me there. Yeah. Um, And then... uh, Was Brian also working, though? Or was he... Brian was working part-time with Youth With Mission. And he worked part-time. Like, he always did different jobs. So... Yeah. He, like, delivered pizzas for a while. He worked with a carpet cleaner. He worked with public schools, like, before and after school programs. Yeah. So he was still with, like, with missions, but we had to raise our own raise our own finances. And didn't you have a house built? Like, a big house? We, we bought a house. Like, we moved to a lot of different places, and then we bought a house um, that was already built, and then we had a house built, and we moved into there. Wow. So, but a lot of it was kind of, like, really miraculous miraculous stories like yeah you know like for people who like sometimes we didn't have to file an income tax return because our income for a whole year was less than 400 us dollars um (laughs) to how does that work (laughs) (laughs) well uh, god's grace really like when we lived in 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 uh, new zealand really sometimes we had so little support yeah that um like actual financial money support you know that people would give to us that um yeah i just we like literally had less than four hundred dollars so i didn't have to file a tax return other times like even when we lived in the states like we could like i don't know we could have gone on food stamps or whatever like our support was so low we could have gone on food stamps so even though we were both kind of working full-time with missions we would do different jobs and because you had uh four siblings is that why you wanted five kids no, I really wanted one child. Just one? Brian wanted ten. So ultimately <laughs> you <in> the we, middle? <laughs> we compromised. We compromised with five. Yeah. But our kids were all pretty close together. Mahalani was eight when Fabian was born. So our fifth child was born when our yeah. oldest was only eight. So they're yeah, all I feel like close. you got the harder end of the compromise though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Having to birth them all. Yes. Yeah. It was it was very challenging. Those yeah. years were really yeah. hard, hard work. Yeah. But, you know, we were still young and energetic. And yeah. You like the early years, though. The... Um, before we had kids? No, I... No, well, I mean, you, you, you like the, the, the two to seven-year-olds. Yes. Yes, <laughs> I do. I do like it. It's kind of like, so um, was fun. <laughs> you know, learning to juggle. Like, you can do things one-handed yeah. or two-handed, but when you have three kids, you got to, like be able to keep everything in motion at the yeah. same manageable but in motion you know but once you had more than three <laughs> once it was like just the more the merrier i mean yeah. elena and fabian it was just like more is just more yeah because by then our kids had friends like our house was the house everybody came to so we'd always have lots of kids at our house i was always making like food for 10 or 12 because you know, yeah. if they weren't there to actually eat when it was time to eat, they would be there soon after, or the kids would want something to eat in the middle, and you know. Yeah, but in theory, the older ones can help the younger ones. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
So when you got the news that you're going to Australia, was that a, a happy day for you? Like something it, different? It was. We were just coming up on like 20 years of being in the missions, and we were looking at actually moving back here to California. Um, and I started having nightmares. And um, About the dogs with the fake diamonds? No, <laughs> I was having nightmares. I couldn't quite figure it out at the time, but it was like people were all normal, whatever, whatever, and then they would turn, and then their faces oh, would no. kind of melt off, and they were like these monster faces, and... I was like literally having nightmares about moving back to California. <laughs> um, but that was like didn't stop us. I was like, what's going on? What I have? I was, yeah, like, it wasn't like anxiety. I had any really traumatic experience here. It was just, it was the only time I really, like, I live in other countries like Samoa. They'd be like, whatever. Like, people would, are always big fans of Americans. Like, yeah. you know, and they would usually ask, like, they like, you're American, right? I'm like, yes. They're like, are you from California or Texas? I'm like, are those the only two choices <laughs> I get? Because I would really like to opt for. And, you know, and like if Illinois. I said I was from Illinois, like, that's like, like, yeah, la 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 land. So I would always say I was from Chicago because yeah. people, they're like, oh, Michael Jordan. You yeah. Know, like, Praise God for Michael Jordan, right? Uh, but, you know, people knew Chicago. Yeah. So I would say I was from Deep Chicago. Because Illinois just meant nothing to foreigners. Yeah. And really, if I was given the option of California or Texas, I'd probably want to say Texas. Because I was like, oh, I'm really not from California. I'm like, oh, my husband's from California. Talk to him. He's the one who kisses the ground when he gets off the plane. Um, but, uh, You're not yeah. exaggerating. I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> but, yes, I was, like, literally, I wasn't traumatizing being here. But it, I just didn't feel like I belonged here. Yeah. Like, California didn't feel like a place I belonged. And it was funny to think that in foreign places, I felt more comfortable being American and being who I was than here. Yeah. Because I'm like, this, this, is, yeah. <laughs> this is not where I fit. You know, I like, people were always... Wanting to buy me makeup or clothes or whatever, like I needed, I needed more stuff. That's strange stuff. to me because that's such a big tourist destination, like California. Know. Yeah, it's, it's the... yeah. Well, like I said, my parents, we came here twice, but we, the first time we came, we went to Yosemite and like we went to the national parks. We saw the redwoods. We saw yeah. like we did like more of the natural, maybe northern California. <laughs> and then our second trip here was to the other part of California, the other, you know, the, the Sea World. So you were you're happy to go to Australia. I was. I was teaching a class, and I, we were on a break, and I started crying, and I couldn't figure out, like, what? Like, whoa, what's happening to me? Yeah. And so the speaker, the guest speaker, he was from Australia, and I said, hey, listen, do you mind just going on with your lecture? Like, I was, like, literally <laughs> tears rolling down my <laughs> cheeks while I'm calmly talking to him. I'm like, I don't know what's going on, but I need, I need a little bit of time. Can you just take the class? And so he's like, yeah, I can teach the class. And so I like literally left my class in his hands and went on a walk. And when I was walking, I like, there's these stairs that go from the bottom of the university up to the top and up to the next section. But anyway, I like saw this picture when I was walking of all this like war zone and I was like hiding in all these places and ducking and whatever. And then the next thing I saw was like all of that stuff was gone and then I, it was like clear but I was walking up but I was still like ducking and covering and running to this place and hiding out here and I really felt like God was saying like I've cleared the way for you like this isn't a battle zone anymore but you still act like it is. Mm. And I was like yeah <laughs> you're right it's true. And so I said well like what like 
what do I do? Like I either run from this or deal with this. Like how am I going to sort this out in my life? And I'm having these nightmares and um, I was just like, we've decided to go to California, but obviously internally I don't feel happy about it, even though externally I've agreed to it. Mm-hmm. And my oldest daughter was living here with her grandma, going to school, and, you know, I couldn't complain. It's like, great school, nice community, good place to live. Why would I not want to go there? Um, but anyway, I just felt like God was saying, like, go to Australia. Go to mm-hmm. Australia and rest. And I was like, there's no way we can be in our mission and rest. Like, rest and missions work were mm-hmm. like... Not, yeah. not <laughs> compatible. Not ideas. compatible. I was like, that's not even possible. And so, but I really felt like God was saying, like, take a break, go to Australia. And the thing for me was, I felt like if I leave, I'll never come back. Like, if I leave this right now, I'll never come back. And because it had Unless been your such, visa expires. Well, no, because I, it was in oh. the States. You know, I meant if I leave Hawaii, like if I leave the mission, mm-hmm. I'll never come back. To the mission, got it. And so yeah. to the mission. I was like, if I leave the mission field now, I'll never come back. And so that was like my hindrance, even mm. though it was like, had been a battlefield. And then I was, God had cleared some of those things away, but I was still ducking and covering. But I just had, I think that was a thing. Like if I go to California, if I leave the mission, I'll never come back. I don't want to go there. I can't stay here. What am I going to do? And so I felt like I'd say, like, go to Australia and just rest. And I was like, I don't even know how that's possible. But anyway, so I went home. I went back to class and sort of thing, you know, went on with my day. Stopped crying. I went home. And when I got home, I was like, Brian, I have something to talk to you about. He's like, but I want to go first. I have something to say. And I was like, of course you do. (laughs) Of course you have to go first. Because he wouldn't listen to me if I went first anyway. So I'm like, sure, you go first. So he's like, I was praying today and I really feel like we should go to Australia. And I was like, what? And he was like, I was praying today. I really feel like we should go to Australia. Not go to California, but go to Australia. He's like, are you kidding? So then I told him about my day. And I was like, okay, well, let's talk to the kids first. And Mahay was living here in California, and so she was like the one that was going to be impacted the most because she was here for a year. She was going to school. We were going to all move here. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a big change for her. So we called Mahalani, and she must have been like 16 or something at the time. Called Mahalani, 15. I think she was 15 at the time, and um, and we started to say whatever to her, and then there was this blank space. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, just, you know, Brian, don't say too much. Let her speak, you know, don't yeah. whatever. So we finished talking. There's this empty space. And then she goes, are you done? I was like, yeah, we're done. She goes, Oh, I've been waiting for a month for you guys to call. And I was like, what? She goes, yeah, like a month ago when I was at church, God spoke to me that we're going to be moving to Australia. So I've been waiting all month wow. for you guys to call me. And I was like, what really? And you know, cause we're like both listening to the phone at the same time. Really? And she's like, yes. And then... triple confirmation. Yeah. So then I was like, well, do you have any questions or whatever? I thought you'd be disappointed. She's like, no. Can I get a snake? I was like, what? Can (laughs) I get a snake? That was her question. Can I get a snake? Wow. I was like, I'm not promising you you get a snake. No. Okay. Well, she has a snake now. Oh, now she Her husband let her get a snake. Her mother did not. Yeah. But, um... Yeah. So, anyways, like, triple confirmation. So, we went there. We ended up, like, changing all of our plans going there and stayed for about eight years and wow. it was the hardest and best thing because I never realized how hard resting could be like to actually be at peace without doing things and not like what you do is what your value yeah. came from but like being someplace and not like 
we went from a very, very busy, busy, busy life to very peaceful, yeah. very quiet. But of course, Brian nearly died a couple of times, so that always kept us on our toes. <laughs> Um, and you were in uh, Melbourne. In Melbourne, Melbourne, yeah. 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 Which is kind of a big city, right? Yes. It was close to a big city, so it was out in the suburbs. It's kind of like being home for yeah. me. Because we're in a, in a suburb where it's kind of quiet and, you know, nature's still near um, and safe yeah. and stuff. But you just, you know, trains... It was like 10 minutes to the train, and then the train was like a 10-minute ride to the and, city. And same kind of work, like planting schools and teaching teachers. Yeah, and... so mostly I was doing consulting when I was there. So I would travel like every six weeks for two weeks or so. Um, I kind of like spaced it out like that. So I would go somewhere, do a project, and come back. Like I was basically training the staff. Yeah. So the staff were there running the programs, but I would go teach the, the students who are training to be teachers, spend time training their staff. So I'd usually teach two topics. So I teach two different weeks, and in between I'd be there, and then I'd come back home and be there for six or eight weeks, and then. Yeah, and did pretty much everyone like it there in Australia? All the kids. And... Yeah, I mean, my kids were a little disappointed in they thought we were moving to like the beach. Oh, okay. Oh, you were. <laughs> and You're so in the, the outback. We weren't. We weren't at the beach. <laughs> I mean, the beach was findable, but it wasn't like, like how long, here. How long of a drive? <laughs> well, we didn't have a car, so it was oh. much farther than you would think. But we went to the beach in Melbourne. It had like syringes and condoms floating in the water. The beach we went to, the first beach was like a bad choice for where they took us. Yeah. It was an inner city beach, and so I was like, Ugh. coming from Hawaii to that was like, Ugh. So plus it was like cold, like they wore wetsuits, you know, because yeah. it, it was not like tropical Hawaii waters. It was like, and it was rough, like surfing was like mm. big surf and rough. Um, and pretty much Melbourne and Sydney are the, the only big. The two big cities there? Yeah. Okay. And then, you know, I don't know, like, numbers-wise, but, like, Brisbane, Perth. You okay, know, there's yeah. some other bigger, bigger wow. cities there. But when Brian and I had visited, we had all been on the coast. So we'd been in, like, Sydney and Cairns and Brisbane, which is all, like, coastal. Yeah. You know, like, Great Barrier Reef. And Brisbane was, you know, great, uh, you know, for as far as, like, Hawaii surfing, like, similar. And then Sydney was, like, city but then we lived out in Manly, which is like a great kind of, yeah. like going to Malibu Beach here. What do you do without a car there? Are there trains or metro? Trains, or buses, buses just, um, trams. Yeah, yeah everything like train, uh, bus stop right outside our house, bus stop, you know, yeah. bus stop, trams. Tram, the tram was like, you know, trams are like the electric mm -hmm. trains, right? So like a few roads over, bus stop right in front of our house, down the street yeah. was the train. Did you ever in the eight years get a car? Nope. No, oh, wow. No. And Mahalani, she still doesn't drive. She and her husband, they don't drive. They're like, why do you need to drive? It, yeah. like, pollutes the environment and blah, 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 blah. You know, they're very eco-friendly yeah. there. And so they're like, what's the point? And I was like, because you can drive. That's <laughs> where everyone goes on walkabouts. They walk instead of... <laughs> you can, yeah, walk and ride. And But, yeah, public transportation is pretty easy. Wow, yeah. Pretty yeah, easy. Um, yeah, kangaroos and... Well, okay, even though we lived, like, we <laughs> no. lived in the city, right, suburbs, there was only one time I saw a kangaroo only, in the road. Oh, in the I road. saw him many times, but in the right. road, there was a big fire not far from where we lived, and there was one day there was a kangaroo hopping <laughs> down the road next to our house. It's something like coyotes here where they're just all over. No, no, but there. if you go out, like, 
an hour or yeah. something away, you you would definitely see kangaroos. Like yeah. a, one of our friends, their car Can you got like totaled. Cut them though, or like, yeah. no, are they yeah. well, by you or something? Okay, we petted the ones in wildlife parks. Okay, yeah. not like, like wild, trained. wild yeah. ones, but the ones where you know they give you like for fifty cents, <laughs> they give you a little bag of pellets and a paper bag, and you would take it with you, and then you would just feed them out of the, you know, feed them the pellets were out of the bag. Wow. Yeah. Well, what a life. Huh. It's pretty amazing. I guess so. <laughs> it's it's amazing, you know, because like, like all my family and cousins are like born and die SoCal. Mm-hmm. Like we don't move places. You know, like my my one oldest cousin moved to Seattle, and that was like the furthest any of my yeah. cousins have moved. So I think it's so fascinating that someone has lived in different countries and all these different places. That's so like exotic to me. Yeah, well, for me, like, I've been to, I don't know, maybe 12 or something countries. Like, I don't count airports, whatever. (laughs) I mean, you could, but I don't. But, like, most of my friends have been, like, in 50 countries or more. Like, to me, we're, like, like, we're (laughs) in our missions organization, we're very settled. Like, we lived four years here. We lived eight years there. We lived ten years here. Like, we're very settled compared to most of the people that I work with. Yeah. Like, most of the people I work with probably go to 12 countries in a year. Like, that wouldn't be abnormal. Yeah. So. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. Do you have, like, a favorite place you visited, you know, what would be on, like, Great Wall of China or something? Yeah, I mean, Some okay, China was, like, was way different. Yeah. Like, was way different. And for the most part, it was, like, one of the only... Maybe three places I've been in the world. I don't know. The, one of the th- shocking things when you go to a foreign country like that is like everybody else is that culture. Right, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, they're all Chinese. Yeah. Right? They're all Chinese. They all have dark hair. They all have similar skin tones. They're approximately the same height and same weight and whatever. There's not like a big variance. Yeah. You know? One of my friends, um, she was you in, stick out. You're the she was in Beijing. Yeah. Like, really, you stick out like a sore thumb. Like, you are definitely a foreigner. But um, she was in Beijing on one of the trains, and someone um, slit her bag and took her passport and wallet. But um, she didn't realize until she arrived where she was going that it was gone. So she had to go file a police report because she couldn't leave the country without her passport. Um, But anyways, they were asking her all these questions, and I can't remember them now. I wish I had written them down. But she was, like, saying they were asking what shape their eyes were. Oh. And I was like, well, like, what choices did they give you? Like, what do you mean, what shape are their eyes? She's like, did they, like, sh- go up or did they go down? Were they, like, all, like almond shape or were it they was whatever? the angle of the slant. Yeah. And I was like, what? Like, I don't think that's even a question on our police list. Yeah. Like, can you imagine that being one of the questions yeah. the police officer asked you? Like, one of the first questions they ask you? It would sound racist. Yeah. You know? And she was like... Well, okay, I didn't see the person. Like, I don't know who stole my stuff. So they kept asking for a description of the person who stole her stuff. But she's like, I have no idea who stole my stuff. Because <laughs> yeah. they slid it on the train. And she's like, well, I had it here and I didn't have it there. Like, somewhere in this, yeah. on the train, someone took my stuff. But I don't know who. But you're like, you're on the train. And, like, they literally would, like, shove you in the door. And then you're like, like, really, like, wow. person to Sorry, person. Yes. Like, cheek to cheek they shove you in and then it closes and one time I was there with my translator and we got to the front of the line she'd been standing in line for a while I get to the front of the line they're shoving all these people on and I said can we just wait for the next train and she's like sure 
And um, so anyway, and then we waited for the next train, but then they were mad at us for like, because we weren't holding up the line. We were letting yeah. people go past us, but it was like wrong. Like what we were doing was wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, I, but I was like not ready. It's like kind of yeah. waiting before you jump into the jump rope when they're double dutching, where you're kind of like <laughs> yes. waiting for your moment. <laughs> so I was just kind of storing up enough observations to prepare myself. But anyway, so they pushed in and they shoved us like, like literally like push <laughs> on your body, touching you, pushing you in the door. And then you're like body to body with everybody else. And so I was like, of course she doesn't know who took her stuff. Like, unless you're like, like this, with, yeah. like nose <laughs> yeah. to nose with them. You're not like looking. Plus it's uncomfortable. So you're not like paying attention. Plus people are looking at you because you're odd. She yeah. was blonde. But anyway, um, but anyway, so she was like describing how they were asking her questions about how this person looked, but they didn't ask for hair color. They didn't ask for height. They didn't ask for build. They didn't ask any of those questions. They asked for like what direction, what shape was their eyes, what directions were they? And it just was like so funny because you're in a place where everybody speaks a language that you don't understand. Yeah. And no one speaks. Like, there are very few people speak English. Like, a lot of places you go, people kind of know English. Yeah. You know, like, I was in Korea. People knew English, but they didn't always want to speak it, but they knew it. When I was in China, those people did not know English. Yeah. They were, like, we were, I was on the border, like, up near um, North Korea. But the thing is, they could all distinguish amongst themselves. They were, like, oh, they have Mongolian ancestors, and that person has Korean mm. ancestors. Like, they knew everybody's business. They were, like, story of like generations I was like if you asked me like four generations who in my family I was related to I would be like I have no idea yeah I'm like I can tell you about my grandparents that's about (laughs) as far as I could go I don't know anything about my grandparents parents are like vague ideas but they were like literally judging where you sat at the table by who was like four or five generations before you like your uh, the tables were round. Your protocol for where you got to sit was determined by your genealogy. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, good thing I'm a guest because I couldn't even tell you. Because it's like not a land of immigrants. It's, it's yeah. like they stay there for generations. Yeah, so and so they know everybody's stories. And before you can sit down at dinner, they ask you all these questions to find out what your story is so they know where to place you on the on the, you know, how close to the top of the circle you are. Yeah. Do you know they're like where in Europe your family came from? Um, my mom's family is German and English, German and my dad's yeah. family is Scottish and Hungarian. Okay. That's, that's as far as I can get. Scotty the Scot. Yeah. Well, <laughs> when my grandfather came over from Scotland, his name was such a tongue twister that they just called him Scott, which apparently is how a lot of Americans with the last name Scott got their oh, name. Oh, wow. So the Scottish <laughs> names were like in like not speakable. Yeah. And so they're like, you're from Scotland. Your name is Scott. So that's what we got. That's a believable Yeah. Story. So that's the story I heard. I don't know if that's based in facts. I never did research, but that was what I was told. Wow. He was from Scotland. They couldn't pronounce the name. He got Scott. But my grandmother, she's from the part of Hungary that became Serbia. Like, was uh, taken over by the Serbians. So, when I pointed on the map where she was from, Brian's family was like, oh, you're Serbian? And I was like, uh, I don't know. My mom, my grandma always said that, you know, she always said it's from Yugoslavia. But I never asked her. And they're like, you're Serbian? So, next time we went home to visit, Brian and I quizzed her. Because his family's Croatian. And mm-hmm. being Serbian was just not going to go. And so, I asked grandma. And she said, no, no, no. Her family was Hungarian. But they're area was taken over by the Serbs oh, and so okay. now it was part of Serbia 
but it was she is technically Hungarian. That's just why her family fled to wow. America. So that was a much more acceptable story for Brian's family. <laughs> so it wasn't like excommunicated because his um his wow. Dalmatian family, Croatian family, was like very anti Dalmatian. Yeah, that's like oh. the area they're from. Oh, okay. Their Dalmatian is their like wow. regional name. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that my his grandfather when they moved to the states. They said Brian's grandfather was Italian, which was super offensive because oh. the Italians had taken over that part of um, Croatia, yeah. which is why they immigrated here. But for his passport to be Italian was like super offensive. So when they got into family fights, they would always, his brothers, sisters, whatever, would say he was Italian. And yeah. that's why they were having conflict. So I felt like it was the same, but the opposite for me. I got my out, my pass out, <laughs> because my grandma had said we were Yugoslavian, but actually, like, from, you know, her family was from Yugoslavia. So, as we bring this plane in for a landing, mm -hmm. um, I have one more question for you. Okay. So, you have, uh, you've accomplished so many things in your life, a very storied life, and... Like, what's next for Ruth Golden? What other dreams and goals do you have that you want to do? Yeah, it's a good question because at the point where my kids are, like, 19 and older and um, things You're are... like an empty nester, yeah, basically. things are changing. Um, we've really spent this, like, last season, since we moved back from Australia, focused on our family. Mm -hmm. um, doing things with, like, my sister and his mom, like, kind of more family-oriented um, so we're kind of just at that precipice of looking at what's next. Yeah. Um, but I would really like to like, like get a doctorate, like go back to school, finish, oh, okay. you know, yeah. finish a degree. Um, I would like to, <laughs> I don't know, like I would really like to see significant change in education. Mm -hmm. I would like to be one of those people who, you know, can speak forth ideas that, that, make a difference like when I yeah. see the way education's done around the world it's um it's kind of grieving like to me um a lot of times it's people think you bring education it's great but what they're bringing really is a lot of times like school buildings or uniforms and textbooks and teachers who have to have degrees and whatever and I think a lot of learning and leading gets lost in all of the peripheral you know how we dress it up hmm. and so I would really like to be, to like make a way for education to change and like what's being taught. Well, you know, I think you get lost in the in the content. So there's the context, yeah. you know, because education in a lot of world is very expensive. Like yeah. it's it's beyond most people's, you know, reach. Mm -hmm. The having qualified teachers, books, uniforms, you know, whatever. I mean, uniforms aren't as big of a deal here, but in most other countries they are. Um, but the building itself and all the rules and regulations that go around with it. But a lot of times education now focuses on like you have to get into like a good preschool to get into a good kindergarten, to get into a good elementary school, mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. All the way you get through to a good college, right? Yeah. And you graduate and the goal is, well, because you gotta get a good job. And it starts yeah. pressure with like three-year-olds. There's pressure. There's like serious pressure on three-year-olds to and three-year-old teachers to like do this thing so that because my child will eventually not be able to get a good job and make money and whatever. And 
And the thing that I've seen is that a lot of what we do in call education is so harmful. Hmm. So harmful to people. It really crushes their spirits. It doesn't make them feel like my gifts and abilities have value or meaning. Um, that um, Get so focused on test scores and performance. And test kind of scores, performance. Testing, yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of like suicide. There's a lot of um, grading or degrading of people. There's a lot of what's external is important. What's internal is not important. There's a lot of things like with character that get overlooked. Like if you can do certain things, you're like successful or whatever, but there's such a lack of training in the character issues. So like when I worked in Vanuatu, they were saying, look, we brought in edu Western education and we thought it would make this big difference. But really the people who have graduated now, they, the people who can write, write laws that, that, um, that steal people's land. Uh, mm. the people who can do math, um, are like cheating people out of money, you know, like they're using what they for have corruption. for corruption. Yeah. For bad purposes. And yet, um, they're like, unless you have character, then knowledge without character is, mm. is, um, you know, was leading cultures and communities into places where, um, you know, it wasn't producing good things. And I, I see that, you know, even in this, like the States we've, you know, it's all like, I don't know, like you can have a big business and make a lot of money and produce a product and whatever, but are you poisoning the water? Are you, um, are you destroying the environment? Are you whatever? Like there's not a holistic view that really values every part and every role that people play. You know, we focus on the one thing that we really want and forget about the biodiversity. We forget about all the connections and relationships with people and places and stuff that that are meaningful mm -hmm. so I don't know I think every every place you go like that environment is part of your classroom yeah. it's not just the building that you're in mm -hmm. you know the temperature that it's at the the um, the values of the community the the skills that need to get passed on from generation to generation whereas it's like kind of like at the store while they like pick one apple and say, this is the best apple, like mm -hmm. whatever, Granny Smith's. These are the best apples. Yeah. Probably other people wouldn't pick Granny Smith's, <laughs> but you know, but like this is the best whatever or carrot. This is the best carrot. And they pick that one and they, everyone starts farming it. They mass produce it. They whatever, because this is the one that looks the best and has is crisp and, and stays on the shelf. But then you lose the hundred of other varieties mm -hmm. of carrots that you could choose from. And the problem is, is then that one, like if you have this purebred, it actually has faults. Like it's, mm. it's the qualities that are bad actually get magnified just as much as the qualities that are good. And then it can get attacked by a virus or whatever that could have been eliminated if you had a variety of them. And you could get different flavors and textures out of it if you had others, but this is the carrot. You know, this mm -hmm. is the way. And then they start genetically modifying it and making external changes to it. And then now I can't just plant a seed and grow a carrot, but now I have to buy the seed from some amazing professional who's engineered it. I have to, it won't regrow. It'll only grow once. I have to buy more seeds next time to make it grow. And actually, after you eat this for a while, I find out my body thinks this is foreign. And now, like with wheat, now I can't just eat things made of wheat because after eating this genetically modified wheat, now my body thinks all wheat is foreign. Mm -hmm. Is that, yeah. You know, so you have these responses and it's the same in education where we have eliminated the variety, like the variety of kinds of education and said this one kind of education is the only one. This is the one we want to market. 
you know, and so you've lost the biodiversity of all the different ways you can learn and lead, right? So you've said, this is the one thing. And then it, amplif it amplifies both the strengths and the weaknesses of that system. And so if it was to train people to have great jobs, that's great. But what if those jobs aren't the things you're called or gifted for? Mm, then yeah. you're useless in the system. Yeah. You know, you're devalued. And, and then it makes the parents and everybody else around feel like, I can't reproduce this on my own. I can't educate my kids. You have to be a professional. You have to be an expert. You have to pay a lot of money for this to get a good quality product. Whereas instead of just saving the seeds, the good seeds from last year and replanting for next year, you have to keep going back to the source and buying new ones, buying new, buy new books, get the best education, do whatever. And so you lose that essential ability to multiply because it's not multipliable anymore. You have to keep buying it from, from this new source. And so it's not just that education is like generally harmful to children, but the outcomes that you see after a long period of time, they're not reproducible, they're expensive. It doesn't, it doesn't have an endurance or doesn't have a relationship to real life. Yeah. And so it's causing a lot of corruption and, and disillusionment in people. And I don't wanna, I don't wanna necessarily destroy a system, but yeah. I would like to like maybe pull it back Fix and say, it. look at yeah. some of the original designs. Like we're yeah. all made to learn. And the gift of learning is also that you can lead, you can teach others. It should be, if you look at most things, how they multiply, they multiply like a lot. And we actually have to, it takes all of us to kind of keep it from over multiplying. But um, when you create a system that is so rigid um, and say, this is the best one and everyone has to have it. And if you don't have it, then you don't have the best. Yeah. Um, you know, then we lose that, that great thing that was our history that our, grandparents and whatever came from of saying, I want my kid to be educated. I want my grandchild to be educated because they'll have a better life. But really now what we have is people who are really educated who have terrible lives, meaningless lives. <laughs> you are very smart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've been seeing a bunch of articles in the last few years that like homework is ruining families. Yeah. And it just like from kindergarten on, there's just so much homework that the kids are better off spending time with parents and Playing throwing a ball and, and yeah you know doing chores even you know the, like that. exactly yeah. and what it takes us 12 years to teach someone in a public school you know you can do in a lot less time yeah. at home you know our our kids and three to six year olds can learn multiplication and division like in in their three to six year old program at preschool they can it doesn't take them till third grade to do it you know and it's very practical very hands-on um and it's not like we're pushing them to learn and learn it. Like if you have a system that's individually, like for your gifts and abilities, that's very practical, that relates mm -hmm. to life, that leads to productive, like how can I help my community? Like there's the me and then there's, you know, my bigger world around me. And then there's, you know, my family, my community, my culture. And then there's our, our world. If you learn things and see the connections between that, like I'm not just learning math. So I'm great at math and everybody can go, wow, Ruth's amazing <laughs> mathematician, but I can see how that helps me um, change recipes and do good at baking or, you know, yeah. whatever, like in my family, in my community. And then like, well, how can I use that to serve my world? Like, yeah. how is this needed? What's, what's my role to play in the bigger picture when they're learning that my job is not just to learn, but also to use that to lead, to, to be a, I don't know, force for good, make, make a difference. 
um, then there's value mm -hmm. in what you do. It's not just a selfish thing or an external sh for show thing. Yeah, it seems like the, the design of school is to create more teachers and to sort of self-perpetuate. Yeah, like most the schools, system. if you go all the way through it, basically is so you can become a professor. Yeah. <laughs> but then the jobs beyond being a professor... But they can't all be professors. Exactly. You know? We don't need 100% professors. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, whether you're called to be a garbage collector or the king, you know, yeah. I don't know, whatever, <laughs> we don't have kings here, but you know, like sure, the president, the CEO. whatever you're called, <laughs> every role has value yeah. and is important. Like if you, I don't know, like um, here in California, I was here a while ago, just after you guys had those big wildfires, yeah. right? Like burned down all kinds of things. It was horrible. It yeah. was devastating. But then I, the next time I came back, you guys had flowers everywhere. Yeah, like I had flowers, never, yeah. Brian was always like saying, isn't it beautiful here? And I'm like, you know, it's like shades of gray and brown. Like yeah. it didn't technically qualify in my <laughs> thinking of like a beautiful place. I'm like, it's mountainous, <laughs> right. you know, it has texture, but I don't know, like beauty. Like I've been to some beautiful places in the world yeah. and this was not like, woohoo, yeah. you know, one of the highlights that I came and I was like, look at all the flowers. Like there are flowers everywhere. And then I wasn't here for it. But then um, Brian said he like was taking Fabian into the valley and they ran into like a thousand butterflies. I thought I was yeah. kidding. No, the painted ladies. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was like all these butterflies showed up. And so I started doing some research and it was saying like they've been tracking butterflies for years. They thought they were going to um, go extinct because there were so few and that it had been less and less and significantly less. And then you guys had this super bloom because all of these seeds had been unearthed yeah. during uh, it wasn't just the fires i think you guys had a lot of rain or something and then like yeah. the earth churned oh, up wind, right yeah and so then there was all these natural blooms it wasn't what was planted but it was what was there and then all of a sudden there was like this massive influx of butterflies and to me i have that same sense with education like mm. there's truth that's still buried in the soil <laughs> yeah and it may seem tragic or like maybe like a turbulent change like I wouldn't wish wildfires or right. torrential rains or whatever, but sometimes the traumatic things, the big things that kind of shake us up, make room for the stuff, the unexpected things. Yeah. Like that's when you see people's like innovation and creativity and like it makes room for that diversity that's not just you're black and I'm a woman or he's mm -hmm. Asian or he's a Mexican. I don't know. Like not diversity as in we're different because because of the external differences but the differences that are like we're creative like we're mm. there's unity we think different but yeah. we're the diversity is really important thought, yeah. yeah the diversity of thought the diversity of how you do things or when you do things or why you do things and that there's a um i don't know it's like I, there's a word for it it's like i don't always agree with other people i like often don't agree with other people <laughs> Um, but I think one of the greatest things about being able to work in other cultures and work in missions especially is that you learn to agree to disagree. Yeah. Like, whatever. Like, you could be Catholic and I could be Protestant. You could be, you know, yeah. you could be from black, from Africa, and I could be an American woman. Like, we, you could, you know, I'm obese and they're like thin as a rail. You know, whatever. We are different. But those things aren't the differences that are meaningful. The differences right. that are meaningful are you have a perspective that says, look, 
let's try it this way. And I have a perspective that says that's not going to work. And, but if we can get along together and try it, then you actually get a real like strong foundation of, I see it from a different perspective and this is an important job to me. Like security is really important to me. I'm like, oh, we're safe. Let's just walk. Brian's like, no, you know, if someone has to come with you, like, you know, that's what she wants. (laughs) You know, like we see things from a totally different perspective. I'm like, I'll walk with her. It's fine. He's like, no, no, you must be accompanied by a man. You know, I'm convinced that was his cover story. Just to walk with you. But I think that's to me, that's, I don't know, the, the biodiversity, the difference in how we think and believe if we can get along, even if we don't agree, is like foundational. And to me, that's part of the thing that's kind of grieves me about America right now. I don't know, like as a generalization, because mm-hmm. I'm not, don't want to be like political about it. But <laughs> the thing is, is that it's so different from when I was here before to being back now. Is that um, like we've had presidents and made decisions as a country. Like I lived in New Zealand when they were kicking all the nuclear, all the military bases out of New Zealand because they didn't want anything nuclear and all of our Mm -hmm. subs were nuclear. So there was all this anti-America stuff because of the nuclear thing. And you know, or we had Clinton as president who was doing things in the white house that I found shocking and (laughs) horrifying and embarrassing, embarrassing as a, you know, foreigner who was like, yeah, that's my man. That's the president (laughs) who represents me. You know, um, but the thing of, of saying, like, we're together in this. I'm still American. I'm still, you know, yeah. this is us. This is my Common family. Ground. It's not me and them. It's not us against them. But it's like, this is us. And there yeah. used to be something about America that was very unifying in the sense of patriotic. Mm, like, yeah. it was like, yeah, I know we make mistakes. Like, that's that was kind of my, like, always my fallback. It's like... Americans always seem to be willing to admit they'd made mistakes. Yeah, yeah slavery, that was bad, right? Yeah. That was bad. <laughs> that was a bad mistake. Yeah. It wasn't my family. We weren't here. We're immigrants. <laughs> but, you know, yes. that was bad. Um, you know, there's lots of things where it's like genuinely like that was bad. But I was like, well, but, you know, our country went to war over that. You know, yeah. one of our presidents died Corrected for that. The mistake, yeah. Like we bled to to fix that you know and it wasn't fixed immediately it wasn't you know whatever it's not like it's gone now it never existed you know but like um but we are there's more that makes us one that makes us different and to me the part the thing that um that you can't really have a conversation anymore like you can't it's not like we can't like really debate anymore because it's not a fair fight Mm -hmm. you know like if you don't agree with me then it's like Either A, I have to argue to the death because if you don't agree, then you don't understand. And so I have to keep telling you the same thing over and over and over again because if you really understood me, you would agree with me. You know, so there's that fight to the death force. And then there's the other side that comes and says, look, if you don't agree with me, then you are, you're judgmental, you're, you're, you know, you're whatever all the names they're going to call you. They're going to call you all these names because if we can't agree, then you're basically bad. You're a bad person and whatever it is. And so I feel like you can't just have a conversation anymore. Mm -hmm. You can't, um, you can't be different and be content. Like, I'm like, you know, whatever. I like, that's your life choice. This is my life choice. I don't expect you. Like, I don't think everyone should convert to Christianity, but I also don't feel like my kids have to learn to be Islamic at school. 
Yeah. Like I, I would choose no. Yeah. Like at sex education, I'd be like, hey, we can do that at home. Like you don't need to, <laughs> right. I don't need any, you know, teacher at school to tell them about that. We can do that, you know. Yeah. But I'm not saying you can't do it. I'm just saying I would like my child to go to the library for that class or we'll pick a different school. Yeah. I'd like to have that choice. So, I don't know. It's kind of, it's an interesting time here in the States. I think it's. It's it. We're yeah. in a kind of a precipice of, like, really, what way are we going to pick? Which way is this going to go? Yeah. Yeah, and I think you know, the pendulum always swings the other way. I think we kind of try one thing for a while, and then that backfires. <laughs> we go the other way, and it's sort of this constant back and forth. Yeah. Wow. Well, on that note, <laughs> so soon to be Dr. Ruth, it oh, sounds yeah. like. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Well, that's very exciting news. Oh, so is the plan to sort of stay in Hawaii and, and kind of long term? Is there an AM? Is there a place you'd like to live in the long term? Well, haul? I think we kind of always come back to Hawaii. Hawaii seems to be home. Yeah. It's like were other places but we kind of return there i i mean i really don't think that like chicago or i hate to say california yeah. um would be like our home base even though it might be a place where we journey for a while yeah but i do feel like hawaii is kind of our our home base um i would kind of like i think for this next season is really more about kind of training like physical fitness and health is important for both brian and i like mm -hmm. it's the season we need to kind of really invest in our own lives of being health like if we're gonna leave another 30 years or whatever yeah. <laughs> like if this is like midway in the journey if we're gonna be doing this um for another 30 years then we need to like spend some time now taking care of ourselves mm -hmm. like figure that out like not like go on a diet as in like a momentary plan but like change the way our lives are the way we're living our lives so that there is a, like a long-term healthy outcome so, like that, personal health and then um, school, like mm -hmm. going back, um, investing more in education, our own like learning and, I don't know, recognition of learning, like taking time to learn more and to grow. Um, I think it's kind of like the in-between. To me, it feels like it, that's just like the transition to whatever is next. Yeah. Um, so, I don't really have a specific vision beyond Yes. Um, that, but I'm like, okay, in this like gap year, <laughs> or, yeah. like years in this gap space. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, that's yeah. kind of the focus, like be healthy and spend time learning more and listening, listening to others. Well, I hope you live another 40 years. That's yeah. 40 would be good. The next chapter is always the best. That's my philosophy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I think when my job here on earth is done, I'd like to go home. Like I'm, I'm not opposed to, yeah. to heaven and, and to what lies after life. Oh, no, to heaven, heaven. No, yeah. <laughs> home with Jesus is <laughs> <laughs> for me. Um, so I'm not like, I don't want to like stay here forever, like hooked up to a bunch of machines or something, laying yeah. in a bed and having people paint my toenails, whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Like I don't have like this elder idea of, um, I don't have a retirement yeah. plan is basically what I'm saying okay. in the next 30 or 40 years, let's say I don't plan on retiring. 
I would like to do what I was here on this earth for and then yeah. go home to heaven. So you want us to pull the plug. Okay. Got <laughs> yeah, something like that. That's a very California response. Yeah. But yeah. It's not like I'm planning on like, you know, being on vacation for the last 20 years of my life. I, no, yeah. I, I would, I'm not because yeah, doing, doing is, do, yeah. is who I am or gives me value or meaning, but I, I like to, I would like to be a person who's making a contribution until, yeah till my days are done. It seems like you found your purpose and it's within your capabilities and it's yeah. what you enjoy doing and it's and that's you found your calling. Cool. Yeah. yeah, I would say probably from the average perspective I have a very difficult life, but yeah. uh it's it's very enjoyable. It's fruitful. It's yeah. it's worth it. Yeah. But that's that's very rewarding too. Yeah. That's right. That's right. The more and, difficult it is, the more rewarding it is. Isn't I mean, that how it always goes? <laughs> not that I wouldn't like a house on the beach, you know, yeah. and uh, someone to come and trim my lawn and clean my, <laughs> clean the corners <laughs> behind the toilet and make the beds. You know, not that that wouldn't be like wonderful. Goal. Not that that wouldn't be wonderful. <laughs> but, you know, there's a lot that I've learned from praying for toothpaste and milk and, you yeah. know, walking an hour my child an hour to school and walking back for an hour and then going an hour to pick her up and then walking an hour back because I couldn't afford you know four dollars for a train ticket yeah. you know those experiences in life teach you things and they're meaningful and valuable and it's yeah. I try not to begrudge um the lessons life has taught me yeah well, thank you so much for doing this interview. Yeah, I'm sure it's a lot longer than you expected. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> was it fun for you, though? It was you have fun. a good time? Okay. Yes. Was I a good interviewer? You were. Okay. You were. I hope whoever listens has fun, too, and they're not like, oh, when will they shut up? <laughs> All right. Well, that is wrapping it up for us. This is Caleb and Ruth signing off. Aloha.